Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 24 on the Sight and Sound list, Contempt. Jean-Luc Godard's widescreen exploration of a marriage and a film production on the brink of collapse. Our second film this week is The Other Side of the Wind. Orson Welles' long-lost love letter to all his favourite things. The frailty of great men, friends who betray each other, and his girlfriend's ass. And mainly Orson Welles. There's, there's a lot of Orson Welles in it. By volume, heaps. And this week, we're, we're joined by Orson Welles. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. This week, we're joined by comedian uh, Harry Thompson Cook, uh, the uh, first person I ever met in comedy. Yeah, and you were the first person to meet my dad in comedy. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have not introduced the show, though. We've introduced Harry of the, the phone fortune, right? The HCC, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't really exist anymore. (laughs) No, but that was a marketing move on our part. Oh, so you just, you turned into like OnePlus or sold out to Xiaomi? We have um, other avenues of business we're pursuing at the moment. Legally, I can't actually talk uh, about that. Have you you just like switched for leaders around and now you're doing, (laughs) now you're doing like weed gummies? Uh, I mean, man... Anyway, we're uh, just going to have to cut that part out. <laughs> My lawyers uh, oh, giving me right. a signal. God, if, if, yeah, every first guest to have lawyers in the room. If, if, every <laughs> podcast I listen to at the moment is trying to sell me weed gummies, and it's, uh, it's just uh, weed gummies and boner pills on every fucking podcast. Uh, hey, if my weed guy is listening to this, uh, please reply to my messages. It's been three days, but anyway, uh, <laughs> even though this comes you, out you, several you, weeks in the future. You, you, you for jonesing for a fix. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in a very emotionally dysregulated place mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it helps me out. Anyway. Uh, welcome to to Shine and Sound. My that name is, I am. I sold my <laughs> I sold my Xbox yesterday for two hundred dollars in a bag of weed. Just so. Oh wow! What like Xbox or three sixty or Xbox? Xbox One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So One S, a- One X. This is uh, not irrelevant. I apologize. It's not. It's not that. Uh, it's. I think it, whatever the first one was. Oh yeah, just the just the one. Yeah, yeah. And it was a real profit because we found it on the side of the road. So oh, sweet ass. It's been one of the best business deals of my You're life. M- making out like a bandit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no one bought. You know, Xbox. The original Xbox One. No one bought those. You know that. Remember the video game? Okay, so let's talk about the PlayStation 4. <laughs> Always on connectivity, Finn. Good move, bad move. Uh, I have a PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're a uh, purist. So uh, it's a bad move. Uh, I play uh, the Ratchet and Clank games on it. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty fun, except uh, none of my copies uh, really work anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's a part in uh, my copy of Ratchet and Clank 3 where... Uh, it just won't let you land on one of the planets and you just get like flying between planets animation uh, forever. And so you can't progress past that point of the game. Maybe that's kind of like the point of the game, like those fights yeah. in Final Fantasy where you have to lose. No, no, I've played the game a bunch before 
and uh, you used to be able to uh, you used to be able to actually uh, finish the last half of the game. Or, uh, or maybe it's like a Metal Gear Solid game in that it's it knows you've played it a lot and is and is punishing you. So welcome to Shite and Sound. <laughs> it's a video games podcast. Uh, my name is Yutha Shite. And I'm Finn Rumblepack Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> what a how old were you? You were not born when the Nintendo sixty four came out. It came out like did it come out in like ninety seven? I thought it was like ninety five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well I I've uh, I did have a Nintendo 64 growing up because mm. uh, one of my babysitters uh, left it at my house once. I mean, yeah, they're not going to keep that. Like, there's only so many times you can Mario Kart anyway. Yeah, but uh, GoldenEye as well. I played a lot of that. Yeah. Have you ever, pl- ever gone back to GoldenEye e- e- review recently? Uh, I've tried, but uh, my uh, uh, my Nintendo 64 is broken. Uh, the frame rate is like 16 frames a second. You watch it and you're like, how did I ever perceive motion in this? It's <laughs> it's a slideshow. Anyway, we, we introduced our guest uh, of uh, uh, the phone fortunate, uh, uh, Harry Thompson Cook. Now, Harry, we, you know how we meet our guests. We're going to guess your top four films. <laughs> I'm going to guess them too, as I. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, great. This is usually how I'm it pretty goes. sure I know. I think <laughs> I know all but one, and I'm trying to guess that one as this goes on. Okay, Fantastic. so you're so you're playing absurdal with us. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, okay, so right, how do we do? Is it? Uh, is it from this millennium? Just uh, any uh, of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. yeah. Uh, are any of them part of a franchise? Yes. Is one of them a Star War? No. Okay. Oh, that might be our first to not contain a Star War, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. McGugan, mm. Briar, Stephen, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If, if everyone loves Star Wars except except Harry. Oh, I like it. I just don't <laughs> yeah, think yeah. it's yeah. something you put on, you know, a yeah. top five at least. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hamburger, not, not filet mignon, yeah. you know? This franchise is it based around supernatural or extra natural elements, though? Uh, n- uh, no, it's is neither it, of just, those. Is it a franchise of comedies? No, one of the other ones is. One of the other ones is is part of a franchise of comedies. Yeah, Hot Fuzz. No, it's not a franchise of. Oh, uh, yeah, kind for of. nerds, it is. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, are they horror? Is it a, a, a horror franchise? No, not at all. Too uh, scary. You're not really a horror guy at all, are you? I I stayed away from it for so long well, because same, yeah. I was scared. Yeah, and then I the, start w- watching more and more of them. I'm like, this is not scary. This is just very fun. Great. Yeah, yeah. I had the like exact same experience. Yeah. So I, I in that sense, I'm a horror guy. But none of none of these films that you're right. trying to guess are horrific. In the slightest. Okay, so is it like a series of dramas where one is slightly funnier, or is it like mysteries? It's. If I remember it right, it's three dramas and a comedy. Okay, from this millennium? One is not. What's the millennium? That's it's since the year 2000. Yeah, one's not in that bracket. I I feel like I'm having... Okay, uh, uh, is it uh, from America? Is it in the English language? Yeah. Oh, oh uh, yeah. yeah. They're all in English. Oh, okay. yeah. Harry oh. just hates foreign films. Is that animated? Sergeant. None of them. Are, they okay. all have real people in the flesh. Okay. Do any of them have uh, real human beings and real heroes? <laughs> uh, oh, wait. You mean, like, are they based on real people? Uh, I was asking if one of them was Drive. Or Sully. 
<laughs> no, but it's, I think for if you asked me in high school, it would have been oh, yeah. it, all four would have been Drive. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good film. It's, it's full of style and schlock, and it's. Mm, I I went to Academy for a screening of Neon Demon. Yeah, and they video called Nicholas Winding <laughs> oh, after the screening yeah. for like a Q and A. It was the most awkward thing in my life I've ever seen. Oh yeah, because he he's a real because he's a real weird dude. He's a weird dude, and then he was on set filming an advert for <laughs> some like insanely expensive company, mm. and he was like. Why am I doing this interview? <laughs> I'm, I'm filming an advert. It is very weird that he's in the team of filmmakers where you're like, what's he done recently? Oh, he wrote and directed an eight-part miniseries for, like, yeah, for, stars. Uh, it's for Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, but, like, but like Luca Guadagino's mm. was for fucking Turner Classic Movies. There's yeah. a bunch of them. And it's just like, well, yep, well, they're ghosts now. Bye, Park yeah. Chan-Wooks. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it's... It's the future, though. I feel like uh, miniseries is... I've just seen a couple recently that have like, oh, this is like a format to itself. Yeah. And, 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 but how many of those were films that are too long? <laughs> None of the. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe one. Have you watched Inventing Anna? No. Yeah, no, that, it's really a film that's too long. <laughs> You're like, this good performance assistant, but... Uh, it it does not need eight hours. Netflix thing of just, we'll just chop it up, you know, because we can, and people will watch it. People just want to see things on the screen, no matter what it is. Well, uh, Uh, because they're cheaper than movies, and uh, you don't need to employ people over several years like a TV show. Several years. Speaking of several years. Okay, so one of them take place over several years? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) No. Okay. Okay. So this You've really got to know where. Okay. Yet. So yeah. one is a series. One is from a series of films, and yes. that series of films also includes a comedy, but not. No. The no. 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 So no. Harry Her- 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 was saying that they're like oh, of of the four films on on the on his top four. Three of them are dramas, one's a comedy. Oh, okay. For a long time, I was like, what series of films has one entry from before the millennium, three of which are dramas, and one of which is a comedy? And I was, I was just, I, I, there must be an answer. I, like, I kind of, if you count a more, the before trilogy, maybe, you know? Anyway. Or, uh, before trilogy, I could see, I could, yeah, you could make an argument for the before trilogy for sure. Well, I mean, one of them is the best film ever made, but we're not doing my list. Um, it's still still not on my list either. Uh, okay, so the comedy is it like uh, smart, funny, or dumb funny? Dumb funny. Okay, uh, is it hot rod? It is not hot rod, but it's on the right. Uh, same it, is it is it pop star? No. Okay. Okay. Do, it is. Is it an Andy Samberg film of which there's like? Is it cloudy with the chance of meatballs or uh, <laughs> that's space my gyms? boy? <laughs> oh god! It's, the first season of Cuckoo. It's a movie. He's not in it, but if he was around, then he would have been in it. Uh, okay. okay. Is this the pre-millennium one? This no. This is the comedy that is strictly in this millennium. Okay. <laughs> strictly, uh, formatively uh, is it, in this. Uh, millennium. Is it an Apatow? Uh. Mm, I'm going to say no on that, but you would, I would let you off for thinking that it is. Okay, so so it's not super bad. It is not super bad. Right. He he's in it, but Bill Hader is Bill, the yeah, lead. Yeah, Bill Hader is yeah. the lead. Not super bad, 
but oh, all right. Is 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 it like super bad? Uh, in the sense of no, no. Okay, it, it's not Napoleon Dynamite, is it? No, oh, not Napoleon okay. Dynamite. But again, sort of like same vein of. Is it a Wes Anderson? No, uh, I actually don't know who did it, but oh, everyone right. knows it. Is there like a semi-documentary element to it? No. Okay, so it's not. It's not a bo- a bore rate. It's not a bore rate. Um, or or a, or a, a jaced ass. Or a Bruno. I mean, if you chose Bruno, you're off. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you chose Bruno, you're off the podcast. Just imagine meeting someone who's like, Bruno, Bruno I love four. it. I love how it's a comedy of gay panic. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, who, is, like, can you give us someone low down the cast list? Um, oh, the person that's lowest on the cast list, if I... Th- and remembering it right, is also the director um, and is also the lead, but I don't know what his name is. Oh, is but- it like Thunder Road? No. Uh, is, this is not, you're not talking about a film with just one person in it. No, there's no. multiple people. Uh, okay. But if I, I feel like if I name anyone else on that yeah. cast list, you would. So, you would so it's a small cast? It's. Uh, uh, oh! It's a medium right, okay, cast. So that, that, that's your that's your top four there. Yeah. Okay. Great. So wait. N- now you're both. Now you both know. No, no. I I, I didn't look. I just I just clicked onto the page. And, uh, okay. And okay. 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 Can you describe a joke from this comedy? <laughs> <laughs> Let me put on a clip and I'll put my hand over the title <laughs> and then just, just see if you can get it. I just I feel like I've never thought heard of a comedy film before. Yeah, like, Is it last decade? The teens or the previous decade? Pre-teens, pre-pubescent. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, So, is it... Usually, this is much faster. Is this the one that's part of a franchise? Yep. Uh, Is it uh, uh, about... Is it like an action comedy franchise? No, strictly comedy. Okay, so it's not not Austin Powers and Goldmember, which I could buy. Um, uh, Oh, God. And is it the most recent or have there been more? Uh, it's the first. Okay. So it's, God, it's, it's like, begin- it makes it the sound real franchise. elaborate, but it is not going to be worth Say that again? Right, yeah, so, yeah, so it, it's, the, it's the beginning of a comedy franchise. Um, scary movie. No. Daddy's Home. No. Daddy Daycare. <laughs> no. Uh, the Nutty Professor. <laughs> no. Not yet. Comedy Maybe I maybe I'm being generous with franchise, but there's no, definitely- but there's like a sequel, right? Like that. There is a there's there is a sequel, yes. Yeah, and it's live action. We've established yeah, it that. is a yeah, yeah. live action, and it's it's comically obvious at this point, almost certainly. I really look down, look 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 forward to really cutting this down. Yeah. Um. Ah. Oh, 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 Paddington. No, no. no that, that's 2015. This this in the. Oh yeah, of course. Three teams. Uh, oh, fuck. Yeah, do the sequels have different names or are they blank two, blank three? Uh, I think it's blank and then like subtitle. I feel like I'm losing. I feel yeah, like no, I have same. Alzheimer's. I feel like, can you just tell us? I feel like there's a void in my brain. Okay, it's Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, oh fuck, of course. Oh, yeah. God. 
that that is embarrassingly obvious. Yeah, no, to, I I just always I always think of that as as if it's from the nineties for some reason. Yeah. Oh, my, oh what a what yeah. a funny movie. My uh, and the sequels aren't movies; they're miniseries. No, well, they, well, you didn't really ask what format they were in. Yeah. But they're not. They're, okay, but but it is it is part. Of, it is the start of a franchise. It is. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. You're right. We need to change that to include TV. We need to show Alter Michael Showalter, the director of Wet Hot American Summer, who you didn't know, so I'm better. Oh. And I win. <laughs> so the remaining threes are dramas. Yeah. Uh, is uh, are any of them like real sad? Uh, yeah. Uh, one I cried the whole time I was watching it, but it wasn't necessarily sad uh, okay so paddington again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't paddington but a great film uh okay these are all in english all from the 2000s correct okay, okay. uh and, and like pure like again no fantastical elements no no, no. fant uh one sci-fi-ish Oh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless no, Mind. No, no, You no. do not like Eternal Sunshine of no, the Spotless Mind? Okay, cool. I, well. <laughs> I just feel like that's like we, we're all growing to accept that that is it's good. The yeah. film. That yeah. is the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not quite as good as my tweet uh, about a guy who uh, uh, a guy who feels bad after a breakup, so he hires someone to uh, so he hires someone to shoot him in the head. It's called Eternal Gunshine of a Spotless Mind. <laughs> I, but that's not an Alexander Pope quote. No, it's not. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, did uh, when did the most recent one come out? Like within the last year, or like the last three, four years? Uh, la- within this year, I'm pretty sure it came out. Oh, at least for us, okay. might have been the end of last year. For all right, uh, okay. Does it depict real people? It does depicts- it depict the planet Arrakis? <laughs> no, yeah, it is I'm- not Dunes. Okay. Does it depict Paul Atreides' son becoming a giant worm and you're, like, pre-picking Dune Messiah? No, it's okay. not Dune. Oh, all right. That's... Okay, so is it the James McAvoy-led <laughs> adaptation of Children of Dune? No, because it's not Dune. Is it David Lynch's Dune? <laughs> yeah, it's... from the... Or, yeah, no, the recent... It's the Arrow Video <laughs> yeah. recent... Yeah, Arrow, Arrow, Arrow Video 4K re-release of David Lynch's Dune. Uh, okay. Um, well, a lot of great special features on that, but I can't be can't be bothered buying it because I don't like the movie enough. Uh, do, does it ha- Did it get Oscar buzz or did it kind of sink? Oh, like uh, how big a pickup did it get? Do you feel like it's just for you or did everyone? I think it's more of a, it's, I didn't think it got much Oscar buzz. I know the film that the director made before it did. Uh, is it uh, The Last Duel? No, it's not Dune. <laughs> the la- oh, no. Yeah. It's also not The Last Duel. Okay. Uh, okay. Is uh, is. Is it House of Gucci? <laughs> not House of Gucci. Hey, that's a, okay. Let's not lie. That is a good film, and people are too mean to it. Anyway, uh, I just like any film where Adam Driver is shot in the head. (laughs) It's good. That and Patterson. And uh, he doesn't die in Patterson. All of my girls' fan fiction. Although there is a bit in Patterson where Chidi from The Good Place friends him with a gun. Ah, yeah. From from Dark Water and Midsummer. Okay. Uh, Um. All right. We ne- okay. So, is it about is it about uh, people or an issue? It is about 
people. Okay. It's about people talking about issues. Is it about Nicolas Cage looking for his pig? It's not about Nicolas Cage looking for a pig. Okay. Uh, Is it about Nicolas Cage looking for a national treasure to the Book of Secrets? No, it's uh, not that. Okay. Is it about Nicolas Cage looking for one of the prisoners of a ghost land? <laughs> no, it's not that. Are all three of the remaining films American? No. Uh, okay. Uh, is the film we are currently the most recent one, the this year one? Okay. Yes, it is Americano. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, uh, which is to say an espresso shot with <laughs> water to simulate filter coffee. Anyway, that's good. I like, I'm turning into an Americano man. Yeah. Mario. It's a, it's a spicy meatball. <laughs> it's a spicy meatball. I just, I'm as bad a piece of casting as Chris Pratt is. I just, I do hope he does that, you know? Uh, I hope he Lady Gaga's in that way. Um, okay, so it's about people talking about issues rather than representing the issues themselves. Absolutely. No, why did I think that would help? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it means it's not like... Who's like one of the actors like lower down the cast in this one? There is four people in this film, pretty much. Okay. One gives it away. The other is too young. I don't know his name. And the other two uh, look familiar, and I don't know their names either. Uh, is it uh, Come On, Come On? Yay! Okay. Yeah. We have yeah. a winner! Uh, Wo- uh, Woody Norman is the name of that kid. Yeah. Oh, he was fantastic. And... Haven't seen it yet. Okay. It's great. Do you know this? That kid is British. He is doing an accent throughout that no. film. Yeah. No, right? Like, how is that possible? Watch no interview way. footage with him. He has a British accent. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> that kid is talented. Yeah, right? And, and like, how do you not know Gabby Hoffman's name? Um, I try to keep it out of my mouth. Yeah, you're just like, I hate any member of the cast of Transparent. <laughs> yep. Or uh, Obvious Child. Yeah, and a bunch of other good stuff she's yeah. been in. And she was a child star in something. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, she, Gabby Hoffman, if, you, if you're listening... Good work. Uh, I'm sure uh, she is. There's one American film left and one non-American film? Correct, yes. Okay. okay. Is the non-American film from Europe or formerly part of Europe? <laughs> <laughs> formerly part oh, of Europe. Okay, so it's from Ireland. No, they're still there. Um, uh, 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 a British is that is that from this decade? As in like la- no, or no. teens then? I think it's uh, noughties. Oh, okay. all right. I think it's noughties. If yeah. not, it's like 2010. Oh, okay. okay. Is it set in, is it contemporary or set in the past? Uh, it's set in the future. Ooh. Oh, Children it, of Men? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, would we call that, I'd call it, I think that's more of a, I think it's more of a storytelling film. But yeah, no, what a, five stars, Alfonso. Um. But it's also, like, that's kind of an American... That's a Mexican making uh, an American film with British money. Mm. No, no, no. Making a British film with American right, money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, Clive Owen. Where is he? Gemini Man. Yeah, he's still in Gemini Man. He's, he's still he's, in it. He's, he's, he hasn't stopped shooting for that he, film. He's, he's still recovering from when, uh, from when Dane DeHaan punched him in Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Aren't we all? <laughs> uh, man, remember, like, Dane DeHaan came up through, like, good, proper theatre. He was in the original cast of The Aliens, the Annie Baker play, and then, like, just was like, I am... 
the films I'm going that, to be okay. in, I'm, I'm going, going to, to do both. Gore Verbinski's Eel movie. Oh, what a classic. But then be like, I'm going to be the one Spider-Man villain they don't bring back <laughs> in the film where they bring back every Spider-Man villain, even Paul Giamatti a little. Like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Dane. Paul, poor, Paul Dano. Is Paul Dano in this? It, Dano. We've got one film left. Is it yes. Little Miss Sunshine is what I'm asking? No, it's Is not. it The Batman? <laughs> is it There Will Be Blood? Uh, no and no. Okay. Is it uh, There Is Blood? No. Is, is, it, is it a, There Might Be Blood. Is it a movie? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's They Might Be Giants, uh, which is actually a movie. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Named for the band. Yeah. Uh, Iron Giant. Uh, is, it, is it a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson? Yes, it is. Uh, yes. All right. Okay. Okay, so we have to get it in one now. Is yeah, you thing. have to get it in one. So, so it's from like, oh, it's The Master. It is yeah, The yeah, Master. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. what do you love about Joaquin? I mean, apart from the fact that he's uh, very good. Yeah, But there's well, something that, like, you got you got him twice on the list there. there I think it's just, he's not really, it's just down to earth. I feel like, yeah. not that I'd want to talk to him or anything, <laughs> No, but if he walked past me on the street. Yeah. You'd be like, oh shit, it's the Joker. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like. Yeah. Like you, 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 you just hear like quietly in the distance, rock and roll part two playing. <laughs> and then, I mean, you'd see him kick walking up the street and be like, oh, oh, oh it's all, it's all Jewett. So down to earth. That's <laughs> <laughs> a guy you can have a beer with. <laughs> Well, you know, just going into that child brothel and killing people with a hammer. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you were, ne- you were never really here, fan? Uh, I watched it once in high school, I think because Finn told me about it. Uh, it's very upsetting to me that you were in high school when that film came out. Anyway. Oh, I would have been last year or something. It, it yeah, no, that been, yeah. still doesn't help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, that doesn't help me. I was in my late 20s, early 30s. I'm just, a- I'm just ashes. I'm just atoms. <laughs> um, okay, that's a good list. That's a yeah. good top four. Now, yeah, and I've like, yeah, I've like not seen Come On, Come On yet, but I'm very excited to, very excited to get to it. Do you love podcasts? Yes. There's so much. You're like, how much of this film is basically a podcast? And it's like, there are only four films that are more like a podcast than Come On, Come On. And they are The Trip, The Trip to Italy, The Trip to Spain, and The Trip to Greece. All right. So, Contempt. This is a film that you love, Harry. I love this film. Yeah. I watched it once as a teenager in high school again. Yeah. And I... <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> On my NCA break, um, we... <laughs> I watched it and it was just depressing. Yeah. Which yeah. is what you need when you're an angsty teen. Yeah. I remember you telling me to watch Contempt for like years. And, the, and then at the like beginning of last year, they played it at Academy Cinemas. And I was like, oh, this is the movie Harry won't shut up about. I went to watch and I was like, yeah, no, I, I get what he's on about. <laughs> there is something really beautiful about like that that high school I have found a film that's as sad as I am moment. Yeah. Because like a large part of my uh, uh, attachment to the Darden brothers, I remember seeing Rosetta, which is a film that ends with an extended handheld shot of a crying teen who has given up on life, uh, taking an LPG gas can to be filled so she can take it back uh, uh, to the caravan she lives in with her mother 
so she can open it and kill them both. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, I know. It, it's a comedy. <laughs> uh, 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 and it is just, I remember watching and being like, yeah, this is, this is how I feel. <laughs> what well, was that for you, Finn? Uh, it was watching me do comedy for the yeah. first time. I mean, oh, there yeah, is a I, brilliant I was, I was melancholy like, to your work. I was, I was like, oh, fuck, someone else has already figured out what I wanted to do. <laughs> and then that one song from Contempt started playing yeah. in your head. So, Contempt. J-L-G. John Luke Goddard. <laughs> uh, I was just like, it's not it's not known enough as initials, even though no. it should be. Uh, he, he'd made, he's made a couple of films up until this point, and then uh, uh, Conti, who's uh, uh, one of the producers that uh, revitalized Italian cinema after uh, World War II. Uh, you know, he was, he was Antonioni's guy for a very, very long time. It comes to, to Goddard and is like, hey, I got this book. The book is called, I've got the rights to this book. The book is called A Ghost at Noon. <laughs> uh, and from Really? Reading, yeah. And from reading the summary, like the setup is roughly the same. Okay. But none of the details are. And that's like, it's something uh, uh, that, that Goddard has talked about. And it's just like, I eh, kind of riffed on it. Uh, and so... He he gets and it's kind of his first non self generated project because mm. he had only been his first film is sixty right yeah uh, yes and this is one of three films he made this year because cocaine right were a lot of people doing cocaine in the early sixties I don't know if Godard was a cocaine <sighs> character hey Siri <laughs> well a lot of people doing cocaine in the sixties I said early sixties. Okay, I found this on the web for what a lot of people do cocaine in the 60s. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some. Yeah, not many, if any. Um, and, and he, so he is brought on, the first time he's brought on to make a, a, a kind of someone else's film. Right. And yeah. so he makes this film about some someone being brought on <laughs> to make someone else's film. Uh, a film that they uh, do not want to work on and think is degrading to, to uh, yeah, and, 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 find, and find degrading to be involved with. Uh, and the uh, uh, where nudity is constantly demanded, uh, and so, uh, it, but also starts with gratuitous nudity. It is... This is a very meta film, I guess, is mm. what I'm saying. Which is uh, unlike Goddard. <laughs> but, like, even... F- like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Goddard's meta-ness is often metaphor, whereas this is patophor. It's not speaking to something else. It's exactly about itself. It's like a snake, right? Mm. And it's like that, like, Harry, to me, you've always been... Uh, 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 Oh, I want snake. <laughs> yeah, that, oh no, but like, like, like what I enjoy waiting uh, to strike. <laughs> oh no, but like what what I enjoy about your comedy is like uh, a, there's a lyrical bluntness to it. Like, like you don't play games except when you're just like playing a guitar. Do you know what I mean? Which is which is I consider a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I consider you as losing it. <laughs> but, but like, do you think that's part of what I just? Yeah. What did you What do you see in contempt? Um. The for me it was just the brutal 
almost like the dialogue's kind of bad, mm-hmm. but it kind of just helps that whole relationship feel even more awful yeah. to be in. Like, they're just plainly stating they hate yeah, each other yeah, the yeah, whole time. Yeah, it, everything is so blunt. I feel like Wavet Goddard directs people to kind of act like they're in a movie, just like makes everything seem even bleaker. These people feel kind of like robots who hate each other. Well, and like the, the opening shot of the film is a camera dollying along, following someone and it it could be from the film within a film but it equally could be the behind the scenes footage of this film yeah the tension between a real and unreal is is always there uh uh, i think that's the last time we'll discuss stuff like that uh today um but yeah so take us through the plot finn nicholas so there's a couple yeah uh, Michelle Piccoli yeah. and Brigitte Bardot yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're in love uh, he's a lot older than her uh, she's naked in the first scene yeah and, and you're like is. we get it we get it Jean we get it Jean <laughs> but like and, but then Jean is like I'm gonna make this scene a parody of scenes yeah. like this the film starts with them in bed together she is lying naked on top of the covers uh, he is under the covers the entire room is like bathed in red light. In this period, especially, Goddard loves big primary colors just like taking yeah. over a whole shot. And the camera is like tracking up her body while she asks her husband, Do you like my feet? Do you think they're pretty? And he's like, Yes, I think your feet are pretty. Do you like my shins? And he's like, Oh, I love your shins. Oh, what, what about my knees? Like, oh, you've got lovely knees. Uh, and a lot of and it just go up her whole her, her whole body, and she uh, she she asks, "Do you like X part of my body?" About twenty five times, and, and yeah. she is all doing it in terms of because because they're face to face, and there is a mirror behind her, and she's saying, "When you look in the mirror, yeah. right?" Because because this film is about whether films can ever be true, mm. right? Uh, can they be mirrors or are they just lies? Um, and like what can be real in a film, um, which I think is uh, interesting and good. And that he gets, he's a playwright. Uh, yeah. uh, um, and, and we know this film is at least slightly a lie because uh, he doesn't have any other jobs. Uh, uh, I mean, no, he, he also, it's revealed later, uh, like wrote crime novels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, true. Maybe mm. I should do that. Yeah. Well, it's a good crime to write a novel about. What's uh, the worst crime you've committed, Harry? This is a sting. Uh, Smoking a fat doob. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I uh, once chucked. Uh, my classmate's uh, musical script in the toilet because I didn't like it. Yeah, that's and I hold a lot of guilt from that. Mm. So yeah. I think that it was the worst crime. So, yeah, yeah. Finn, uh, uh, movie piracy. <laughs> I would call like jaywalking worse than that. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't consider my either of them particularly bad. Yeah, I know we're 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 in much of a muchness. Yeah, uh, 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 um, mine distracted driving, crashed into a car uh, mm. is horrifying. But that's not you a know. crime. Uh, tell that to the judge I went in front of in the t- the diversion that I have. <laughs> wait, wait, were you intentionally distracting yourself from driving? Uh, no, this was pr- well, like okay. 
we don't have time to unpack that <laughs> but but the answer is both yes and no we contain multitudes and many of mine are at war with themselves uh speaking of things that are at war uh we meet ukraine and russia <laughs> yeah what's everyone's anyone got a hot take on that well i just think that uh everyone who uh uh uh, uh, I just think that everyone who, like, uh, a year and a half ago was identifying as a homosexual and is now talking about how hot Volodymyr Zelensky is, uh, I'm just glad they haven't learned their lesson yet. I, uh, I think that's good for the world, that uh, they're constantly uh, just attracted to men in positions of extreme power, uh, yet also are trying to find a way to present that as uh, somehow feminist mm. and uh, progressive. Okay, what world leader are you most attracted to? Uh, Meghan Markle. In the social world, yeah, yeah, no, like she could, she could get, like get put, it. <laughs> uh, she could she put out a she put out a tweet being like, "I'm forming a country, I'm forming like a sea org." What are those called when yeah, they have the yeah. platforms? And a bunch of people would be like, "Okay, yeah." And then she could be a princess again. Yeah, and then she'd get assassinated by the Daily Mail. Oh, come on. That yeah, is what unfair. What they call Harry? Yeah, is that the joke you're going to do? Oh, no, I was going to say it was the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> there is a great Spencer, a film I really like, does have one bit where you're like, yeah, this is the bit where they decide they're going to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, this guy, Paul, yeah. he's a playwright. Yeah. Uh, and he's being asked to come in and do rewrites on an adaptation of The Odyssey. Yeah. It's being directed by Fritz Lang mm-hmm. and is being produced with American money. Yeah. By by Jack Palance. Yeah. Uh, as, wow. Uh, as a man who I would describe generally as yelling. Yeah. Playing Jerry Prokosh. 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 And just fucking Jack Palancing the shit out of this. Yeah. I forgot how funny. Oh, yeah. yeah no, whole, he, this whole first opening really is. It's insanely hilarious. Yeah. He, like, yeah, like. Because God, I just hate America. Yeah. yeah. It, it is, it is, it is so, it is so great just how much, how much contempt he has for the idea of being American. Yeah. And, 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 and like, and like Jack Palance is like, is just giving himself to it. Well, how much do you think, like, because, like, there's the bit that you pointed out where he tries to start his car and he fails and it's clearly just Jack Palance being unable to drive. Yeah. And, and uh, I was about to say, for, oh, God, Goddard leaves it in. Yeah. And, and so, like, how much do you think Jack Palance knows that he is the joke? Oh, oh they're like... Later when they're in the screening room and there's the the shot of topless women and they cut to him and he's like, <laughs> and, and, like it's, yeah. it's Jim Carrey in the mask. Yeah, no, he 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 is like he is leaning back in his chair and clapping his hands <laughs> yeah. and just like laughing like a big baby. Uh, uh, it's 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 very good, but yeah, he yeah. is. Both of the films we're talking about this episode have performances where you can be like, how in on it is this person? One of the like uh, top letterbox reviews for the other side of the wind is someone asking like, does John Huston know he's gay in this? Which, like, I think that John Houston's probably in on that, but... Or at least it's a possibility he's playing. Mm. It, yeah, it is hard to, to read that without full, like, intention. Yeah, in well, and, like, that movie especially, like, I, I've seen it four times now, and there's still so much stuff I'm not super clear on. Yeah, I, I, I've seen it once and have the same <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like to think that Jack Palance is very aware of what he's doing. J- J- really? I mean, yeah, like, I, I 
I mean, like, I, I, I haven't seen him in much, but like, but like, in the stuff I've seen him in, he always goes big and it always feels kind of knowing. In like Tango and Cash, he doesn't think that's a serious performance of a scary villain. But like at 120 yeah. percent, just a little too loud. And opposite James Hong, just any reason to mention James Hong. Shout out to James Hong from J Dog. Yeah, from Wayne's World too. Um, uh, but he is here. Uh, uh, they they go. They meet Fritz Lang. Fritz Lang uh, famously says that Cinemascope is only good for snakes and funerals, uh, which has been oft cited uh, and often directly attributed to Goddard, who is uncredited the writer of this film, mm. but it's he did write it, which is crazy to think that's a real judgment because this film is in Cinemascope. He made a bunch of films in Cinemascope. Yeah. And, 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 and this film, uh, No Snakes, No Funerals, just looks incredible. Yeah. Stunning. And seeing this for the first time in a movie theater, just being able to like have those images of the like coast of Capri just blasted into your eyes. Well, and, and like amazing. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, it's exquisite. And it was shot by Raoul Cotard, which is interesting because he was like the, in the crew, there's a real mix of Italian people and, and people Goddard brought with him. And this is a guy Goddard brought with him. He is, he is the defining visionary of the Nouvelle Vague. Mm. He worked with Truffaut, and he also worked with Demi, uh, uh, which is to say Jacques, not uh, Jonathan Demi. Uh, it would be good, though. Yeah, and, would. like, those films so don't look like this. Right, yeah, e- yeah. Even with, like, Pierre Le Fou, which is a widescreen color film, it pointedly doesn't look like this, yeah. right? And it's... It's so interesting to see that juxtaposition, right? Every single color in this movie just like pops so much. And like every single time he like cuts to a wide. Yeah. He was like, oh, that's the bluest ocean I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. that, 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 those are the greenest trees. Uh, the beginning of the footage they watch in the film within a film, because they meet Fritz Lang in a screening room where he's watching fitted, footage from Odysseus, yeah. the film they're making of the Odyssey. And the first footage you see is a, a is of statues or masks, people in masks. Uh, no, it, uh, it's just statues. Statues, uh, uh, statues of like uh, Poseidon yeah. from uh, "I'm on a Boat" by the Lonely Island, uh, and it is this white sculpture with these bright blue eyes and this bright blue like the inside of his mouth. Yeah, and it's so like it's overwhelming as an image. Yeah. There's something really kind of supernatural to it. Yeah, and like seeing that, I was like. I do want to see this version of the Odyssey. That is like such an interesting way to, to like depict Greek gods as just like pure marble that yeah. seems to like move unnaturally, but doesn't speak or emote. Yeah. And I mean, like m- much ink has been spilled about how kind of like this whole film is, is the Odyssey in, mm. in a way, um, except that instead of going on a boat, we have a 40 minute long play in the middle about a relationship breaking down. Because, yeah, like, the setup is uh, uh, he he doesn't know if he wants to take the job. Lang doesn't seem that bought into the film. Palance is the 
the person really pushing it and pellets yeah, but, 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 but like not because he believes in it but but because he has so much money invested in yeah. it and, and palance takes uh, uh the the writer and uh, bridget bardot out uh, uh for some drinks just in the middle of like a garden in the middle of nowhere well, no, it's it, it, it's like it's it's his house in, in the middle of nowhere oh yeah but it is like for a lot of it it is just people on chairs surrounded by greenery yeah. in a way that makes it feel a bit enid blyton um and his his assistant is there and this is kind of where the actual plot starts right yes. uh which is harry no there's no plot to the film it's quite disturbing that this is just a, a dying relationship oh yeah watch it die but but they they essentially see each other flirting mm. with with other people oh, and and, yeah. and that begins the the down the downward spiral because then they go home uh, and we are in their home with them for how long yeah 30 35 minutes maybe. yeah yeah uh, just the two of them right yes. i can't uh, yep. no one else um yeah she she, she uh, takes a phone call at one point but that's but yeah that's, that's right the key moment is when they're leaving the studio jack pounce pulls up in his sports car yeah and camille who is uh, uh, bridget bardo's character she arrives at the studio to see paul and then jack pounce invites him back to his place and uh uh and uh and tells camille to get in his car with him mm-hmm. and says oh we've only got two seats Paul, you're going to have to take a taxi. No, uh, uh, there there are four seats. He just ma- it, it's just like oh. you wouldn't like it back there. It's oh, too okay, cramped. Right. So it's even more like deliberately like I'm going to fuck you. He, yeah, he's he's like I, it's cuck time, buddy. I'm yuck duck and full of cuck. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, and 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 there, there, there's this conversation between Paul and Camille where she's like, no, I I I don't want to go with him. I I I want to go. I want to go with you, Paul. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get a taxi together and. And he's and he's like, no, no, it's fine. You 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 can go with him. It doesn't matter. You can go with him. And he ends up getting there slowly, and like takes him a while to find a taxi. Allegedly, he gets her about half an hour after them, and uh, uh, and her mood has changed. Mm. Uh, she is uh, uh, she uh, no longer wants to uh, talk to him. Uh, mm. She just seems uh, incredibly downbeat. And there is, and yeah, and, and there, 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 there is this question in his mind and in the audience's mind of like like what went on like uh, what happened and uh, did she like it yeah did and she like it finn do you think she liked it doesn't seem like she she seems bummed <laughs> it seems like what it ha- whatever happened was bad well and, and and there are points where in their conversations he is like i mean it's to get some work can you you know uh so he's pimping out his yeah. girlfriend wife, wife girlfriend a oh, wife yeah oh, oh yeah why yeah, yeah could, could, because, because later on he says why why, why did i marry a 28 year old typist ah uh, that's right it just seems so crazy for anyone to be married at 28 yeah anyway <laughs> um so this this like mini shining uh, uh, of, the, of this couple falling apart while one of yeah. them writes but gets nowhere like what in that <laughs> appealed to you and like this is the bit where i'm like i just i would think that when i was in high school i would see this and be like like they're gonna br- come on guys you're gonna break yeah. up yeah hur- hur- hurry it up 
Like, no. yeah, like yes, he's wearing a bathrobe as a toga now. Get it? Well, like very specific because uh, uh, there is domestic violence, which mm. uh, oh, and it changes the mood completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just know that in my younger and more vulnerable years, uh, you would I, have really enjoyed watching that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I would have just been like, and then she should just leave him. Do you know what I mean? The, the, <laughs> okay, so you're you're not saying you, if you have this movie on VHS, you would have just like worn out that part specifically. <laughs> I, uh, no. Okay. And like, that would be very true. <laughs> I would have to really reckon with that, I think. Mm. Um, and I'm glad it's not true, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. But it, but it is this kind of like the give and take of it, right? It's kind of both uh, languorous and rushed in that they kind of argue and kind of make up and then argue again. Yeah. And yeah, no, that is that just does not seem like uh, the, 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 a team-beat material, you Yeah, know? they both keep finding ways to, like, needle the other one, mm. and they both double down unnecessarily and continue making things worse when they absolutely don't have to. Yeah, there's a lot of arguing about where they will go or mm. what they are doing in each other's space. Like, yeah. a lot of it is genuinely about physical positioning. What was the sequence as like roadmap for you when you started dating? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've learned that you open with a punch and then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now come crawling back for you. I don't know. What <laughs> is that? Okay. Do you consider the ending of this film her coming crawling back to him? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, no. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I, I guess by the end of the film, her legs don't work anymore. Yeah, but neither does the rest of her. <laughs> so it's not like she'd be. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot how, how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is my model for relationships. Yeah. It, it ends with her leaving me and then dying in a car accident that I kind of made happen in a semi kind of magical writing way. Yeah, yeah, where which is. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, no. I, I'm just uh, like what when when you were young and engaging with this and were loving it. Like I just yeah, what did you see in this? And this is not me trying to be like you were wrong, but like <laughs> what yeah, what did you see? I really liked things when I was younger. I had a longer attention span, mm. and I was really I guess just trying to be the ulti edgy kid. Yeah, so I love things. Glad you've stopped that now. Yeah. Um. So now it's like it was just a thing of like this is long and drawn out, and it, and as a teenager, I didn't quite get it, but it sounded like they were talking about really deep <laughs> shit. So yeah. I was I was really into that. Um, and then also, like you said, the actual the look of it is insane. Yeah, uh, they and, are in the stark white, incredible apartment with this like bright orange couch and like yeah. shag carpeting everywhere, and you're like, oh, that's for life. It's like just a fucking sixties apartment for yuppies. Yeah. It's like half two thousand and one and half. Oh, what is the steps? The steps going anywhere? It, it's half two thousand and one and half MC Escher. Right? It, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I really struggled yeah. to work out how it is shaped or where. Like, I got that there was like a living room and a kind sure, of kitchen yeah, yeah. area, and he had an office, and there was a bedroom. But like beyond that, I don't know how they connect. Like they kind yeah, of yeah, drifted yeah. through this world. The like geography of the space is very weird for something like this simple. Well, and it is. He is, I think, actively 
choose like the thing that impresses me about the sequence is that uh three years into his film career in in the middle of making three films in one year goddard is being like okay i have the sequence where literally uh, i'm going to make something that should be boring and bad because it is just two people talking in kind of circular arguments yes. where like all of his films we've had the setup and then uh, the rest of the film is the inevitable. Um, and, and he doesn't like it is time is very difficult to track. Yeah. I, he actively is rejecting spatial tracking and yet it is so compelling. Like it's so watchable and it is like, I, I hate that he's that good. Yeah. And, and yeah. And like, I don't really hate it. It's yeah. Just- especially early on in his career, there is this tendency to be like, oh, he's just sort of fucking around. He's like kind of an amateur who got lucky and he's just doing, he's just doing whatever. But like this film especially is like so purposeful about how he moves the camera about when he cuts and about like how he makes you like, how he makes you feel about spaces. In, in, in a way that, like, an amateur cannot do. Well, and there, I think there is a sense of, like, I, like, I kind of feel like the end game for, for Goddard in making this film was to get Fritz Lang on a set. And oh, then get, absolutely, and, yeah. and then to get Fritz Lang to say all of his, <laughs> John, John Luke Goddard's opinions about film. But I do think that there is also, there is a Langness in how this film is composed, that there there is a decision towards, like, uh, uh, this film dollies more than it tracks. The camera is mobile, but not in the aggressive way it is elsewhere. So I kind of feel like with Fritz Lang on set, he was like, I should do it properly. Like he would do it. True. Like, uh, and how those things kind of uh, overlap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, one of the things I love about this film is like how much you can feel his reverence for Fritz Lang. Yeah. That was like a big part of me wanting to see it is like, I'm such a big Fritz Lang fan. Mm-hmm. And to like see this movie, he did as like one of the last things, one of the like last things in his career was like acting in a Goddard movie. Mm-hmm. He'd stopped directing at this point for like, five years three, oh, five years uh, uh, i believe it was like it was like around this time he stopped directing because he did the third uh, uh he did the third mabuza movie in 1960 and he might have done a couple of things after that i i can i can i can look that up for yeah you. with the leads he like kind of thinks that both of them suck and like jack Palance, he's like this is dumb american idiot well and he, like with fritz lang he's like uh this is uh maybe the greatest filmmaker of all time and uh let's uh, just let, let's like sit at the feet of a master for a while well and, and like the thing that separates lang as a character in this film is that he's a man of honor yes like the final beat of the film is like the playwright going to him and being like I'm not going to do this. Fuck everything. What are you going to do? Obviously, this film is going to be shit. And Lang is like, no, I'm going to see it out. Yeah. I started it. I'm going to do the work. Whereas everyone else are cowards. And like, which I think is a, a beautiful moral stance yeah. uh, uh, to take that, like actually just believing in something is, is the answer. Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, 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 yeah, so it looks like uh, Fritz Lang's uh, last two films, uh, *The Thousand Eyes of Doctor Mabuza* and uh, *The* uh, and uh, *Journey to the Lost City* were both 1960. So eventually, they kind of leave this play. A lot of reviews and like texts on this film say that 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 middle section is where the relationship falls apart, and like it certainly gets worse. But like they're not split up at the end of it. No, they 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 st- they still go off to to 
to like go to the movie set together. Yeah. Uh, 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 well, they go to the is the play is the weird play before or after where they go into the auditorium oh. and there's all the like oh, it, right. when it go when it turns into a Fellini film yeah. for a scene. They go into the auditorium like uh, after we finish the argument. As oh, it yeah, yeah. goes from the apartment to the auditorium to Capri. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Capri, uh, which is where the last quarter, like it's the last act of the film. Mm. Uh, one of you described this location. I can't really think. It's- it is on the Italian coast, I believe on the Mediterranean. Mm. It's the best looking location for any film of all time. Yeah. It is, it is, it is so just unbelievably gorgeous in every shot. And it, it's oh, it's it's sh- it's like a wedge. It's a building that's a wedge where the top seems to be steps. Yeah, and inside is just like one room, but yeah. kind of not. Yeah, uh, it, 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 yeah. So the last like forty minutes of a film takes place in this house in Capri. Which is, uh, yeah, like a, a weird kind of like modernist house on the inside, mm-hmm. and then very traditional seeming uh, like Mediterranean architecture on the outside. There is one side of the house which is just a giant set of stairs leading up to a roof where you can sunbathe and look out at the Mediterranean. Yeah, but when you're sunbathing nude, it's very important to be sun safe. Mm. And what's the best way to be sun safe in that situation, Harry? Well, when I go to the beach, I always bring my favorite book with me. Yeah. To cover my ass, yeah, but 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 just but just one butt cheek. Right? Yeah. Oh, forgive me. Yeah, just yeah. one cheek to alternate. Uh, uh, do you do you think like yeah? That is how Bardo <laughs> sunbathes, uh, uh, and it is the the like that's not where you would place the book when you're done reading it. No, what? No, it's we've yeah, no, seen. It's a, it's a, you, you have to do like a very awkward like hand <laughs> movement to like get it back there. And and like I I understand that that's the worst bit of your body to get sunburned because then you can't sit and uh, you can't aloe it. Because then it feels like you've shit yourself. That's right. Just repeating a joke. Yep. It's not that good that I said when we were watching it. That's all podcasting is. Um, and But she is out there kind of surrounded by nothing. Like we've spent so much time inside in rooms looking at fake walls or voids. And then suddenly everyone has everything forever behind them. In a way that I just don't like... I always associate Goddard with just clutteredness, yes, right? Yeah, of, yeah. of of just mashes of stuff. Yeah, and, and and yeah, and 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 like in this film, he 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 like he like definitely uses space better than any of his other films that I've seen. And there there there, there are so many shots where he just uses the like the absolute emptiness you can achieve with cinemascope to its like complete limit. There was a moment after we've arrived at Jack Palance's house where both Paul and Camille go inside and they're having an argument and they are both standing in the like bottom left of the frame. And then there is this like giant wall and a staircase, mm. but like that they are, they are tiny. Well, and like the, the very last shot uh, of the film and don't worry, we'll, we'll go back and back Phil, <laughs> uh, uh, but is like the beginning, uh, a shot of them taking a shot for the film, yeah. starting with action, but it, it, it's of uh, uh, Odysseus 
uh, looking out over the ocean. Yeah. And, and but like the camera comes in more and more, so suddenly we can't see Fritz Lang, and then we can't see the camera, and then we can't see Odysseus, and it is like the film finally giving up and being like, look, look at this blue sky and the slightly different blue ocean. Yeah, look at all this. Look at this space. Yeah, uh, and, and you can just imagine it. You can just you can just imagine a young Michael Mann seeing that and be like. Yes. Well, I, I presume he was looking there and being like, it's not glittering enough for me. It does glitter a lot. Like, uh, oh, what are the beams off the Tannhauser gate? Uh, sea beams. Sea beams, obviously. Yeah. That guy doesn't even remember fucking Blade Runner quotes. I know. I think that what is so striking about this film that is that how carefully composed... everything is yeah and especially that last shot the fact that the sea and the sky you can't really differentiate Mm. between it yeah it just overwhelmingly maybe that's what it is that's why i liked it so much is that how empty it like goes to the feel well and it is like that feels like the biggest actual arc in the film uh, is going from these like false spaces to cramped spaces to a real but empty space. Yeah. Um, because like through, throughout the section, the main conflict is uh, uh, them talking about whether he should stay on the film, uh, which is really about whether they should break up. And often sometimes they're just talking about whether they should break up and really talking about whether he should work on the film. Yes. And at some points it seems, it seems like Camille wants him to leave the film uh, because, uh, because she doesn't like this thing that kind of goes against his values. At some points she wants him to stay on the film. At some points she wants him to leave uh, so that she can uh, fuck Jack Palance. Yeah. And that is like, oh, there is this big bet where uh, uh, he yells about money. Mm. Uh, where he's like, I would only fucking do this for the money, but why do we do anything for money? It's yeah. terrible. Like, it's it, the it, end it, of it, art. Even at this point in his career, like even though he hadn't gotten like, super political yet, Goddard was still thinking a lot about like Marx and Mao a lot in this one. But also this early on, it, like it is because there's so clearly, I think, like Goddard sees himself in this playwright, mm. uh, and, and that we just take we just take one step backwards, and he's like, "Should I make this film?" Right? Yeah. And so, like for him, in his third year for whatever making film, to make a film in which he essentially yells, "I'm only doing this for the money," and even within that, it's like number 20 on the bfi <laughs> what number is it uh, number 24 number 24 that because we're recording these so out of order mm. well we've already done 21 anyway uh, um the the blackjack film um uh, so eventually he equi- keeps equivocating i don't know whether to do this i don't know uh whether i should or shouldn't and she goes like just fuck do whatever the fuck you want all i know is that we're breaking up because I don't love you anymore. Yeah, he's um, like, why? Yeah. And she's like, I don't love you. Yeah. And he's like, okay, but like, why don't you love me? And she's like, uh, I don't know, but you're not helping it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he writes her uh, uh, a goodbye note. Is right? No, that's, she writes him a goodbye note. Ah, fuck, that's right. I apologize. Uh, 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 what happens? She goes off with Jack Palance. They yeah. live happily ever after. Uh, uh, heart, Iris. And- yeah. 
uh, there is a, a pretty good pun about cars, and then uh, they die in a crash. <laughs> They're in an Alfa Romero. Alfa Romeo. Yeah, I know. I, I really fucked it. Yeah. Uh, they pull in at a gas station to get some more gas, and uh, Jake Palin's like walks over uh, uh, to a to like a plant and picks a flower off, and is like holding a flower and and asks her if if she's into him, basically, and and she says, "Just get back in your Alfa Romeo." Yeah, uh, uh, maybe it's my favorite. No, my favorite joke is cutting from the mermaid, uh, uh, who is yeah. just uh, uh, a naked woman, just a naked woman with blue eyeliner. To Jack Pellant being like, "Yeah, this yeah. is the movie." Yeah, yeah, sexy, sexy, <laughs> humna, humna. Just, 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 just like cackling and clapping his hands and being, and being like. Well, yes, of course, this is this is art, but will people understand it? Yeah, <laughs> yes, that was the best like, part. Oh. Yeah. What a what a beautiful performance of an idiot. Well, and the, and then they asked him to put more nudity in the film, and he put it. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um. But the car crash, right, is like is juxtaposed against her note to him saying goodbye. Yes. Yeah. And also, like, is so sudden. It feels like it it, it, it. it does seem like it is like asking you to question whether or not it happened, and it also seems written. It's contrived, yes, right? Yeah. And yeah. which means that it's like it seems written, right? And I'm like, because he is writing an adaptation of the Odyssey, yeah, and this isn't an adaptation of the Odyssey as well, in a way, and so is it. Like, did it become real? Did the circle go back again? Yeah. Um, which is just a really interesting gesture to to end with. And then nothing, right? What feeling do you guys get? Like, what do you think the feeling of the ending of this film is? Like, how does it, yeah, how does it make you feel? It's so abrupt. Yeah. I, th- I think, I don't know who just mm. talked about it, but once... It just feels like he was like not even caring about it, and then before he had any semblance of like recognizing that it was actually going down, you know, done. Yeah. We're not going to show any more of this film. Yeah, he does love that though, yes. right? Old, old, old Goddard, and at least, at least it kind of like it's all about making clear that whether this movie will get made is not the plot. Like, fuck that. No, and like at the end of the movie, when Paul is saying goodbye to Fritz Lang. And Fritz is like, oh, you know, great meeting you. Hope I'll see you again. Even Fritz, like, doesn't seem to care about finishing the movie that much. He'll finish it because it's an yeah. obligation that he has. Well, and, yeah. and he's doing that to be honorable, right? Yeah. Like, that's why he's good. And the rest of them just, like, fucking come and go as they please. Or Jack Palance is just doing it out of avarice, right? Yes. And lust. lust. And, okay, there's five more to go. Uh, okay. Sloth. Well- uh, he, do- he doesn't eat at any point, so it's not gluttony. I mean, t- no, no, but he is gluten free. Is- <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, well, yeah. So he, he is he is not gluten-y. <laughs> uh, oh, mer- mer- anger, ragey, uh, rap. Mer- oh, right, rap. Uh, Do you say rap music? <laughs> yeah, rap, rap, rap music is one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, look. <sighs> Wait, wait, is that what happened to... Look what happened to, to Tupac. Oh, God, I was about to go with Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Nah, uh, uh, hey, don't try kill me. Uh, that's Suge Knight's jo- job, <laughs> allegedly. 
Suge Knight is dead as well, right? No, no I, think I think he's, he's just alive. in jail. Good. I just yeah. want to say. Yeah, because he killed someone with his car. And, and probably other people, yeah. The ki- probably would Anyway. Um, uh, uh, uh. Hey, here's just a little uh, public service announcement. Don't kill people. You don't. In general, people shouldn't. Right. But I personally think it's bad when it happens. Have you thought about it, though? Yeah. What yes, about- and I've uh, not done it. Okay. Self-defense, though. I mean, e- even then, you should try and uh, not kill them. But what? But like, but what if they're like in your house, and you, you so you can oh, stand your ground? Well, they're on my property. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. All, all fucking rules are off then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm can- a sovereign citizen. I'm I'm a sovereign citizen, and uh, and every and every door handle in my house is attached to a shotgun trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 straight out of the book of saw. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm. Do you think this? Oh no, there was a real murder hotel, right? I was like, has yeah. a serial killer yeah. been inspired there, there, by? There's, there's, a, there's a book about it. It's called yeah. Devil in a White City. Yeah, and there's also there's, there's there's a song about it by a band called Sparklefuck. It's called Murder Castle. <laughs> okay, so contempt. Uh, I mean, I feel like I know the answer, but Harry Thompson Cook is it. Shite or sound? It is sound. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Harry. It's sound. I. It, it is. It is probably my favorite Goddard film. Okay. I mean, look, I haven't seen Breathless yet, which I know you like a lot. Yeah, but I think this film is marginal. I could flip a coin. I know it is good, but it is also uh, people who make films making a film no, it's about the thing that Yuva doesn't like. Well, yeah, because it is uh, boring. No, it's yes. the best thing. Okay, why is it the best thing? Unpack that. Uh, We're going to have this argument either now or in the other side of the window. Let's let's have it later. Okay, okay, we'll have it later. But yeah, so I am uh, just to faintly annoy Finn, and like, it doesn't matter to you at all. I am going to call it shite. Oh, you piece of shit. Uh, (laughs) But like, he's made so many good films and History du Cinema. (laughs) So many good films. Uh, And that aren't about filmmaking. Um, Any host, Finn. Yes. On your list of all the films we have watched, we rank all the films, where does this sit for you? Uh, You go first. I'm just figuring it out now. Uh, Okay. I have it at number 72, beneath Big Trouble in Little China. That puts it two steps above Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Yeah, it, it is pretty close in quality to Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Yeah. Uh, I have it at uh, number 59, uh, mm. which is above uh, The Godfather Part 2 and below The Magnificent Ambersons, and uh, 13 points below Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is, it's a good film, Yeah, Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. And also, like, yeah, Contempt is empirically well made. It, I just don't like it. Um, <clears throat> do you want to hear a negative review of yes, this film yes. from social media platform Letterboxd? Okay. This is by Jan, uh, a, a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. No, I, I do not believe that to be true. This is a one-star review because uh, uh, a lot of the half-star reviews were people uh, just calling this film sexist, which I don't think is an illegitimate criticism, but, but 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 is a boring criticism. It, well, not it's like yes, like it's self evidently problematic, yeah. and in a way that draws attention to it without solving it. 
but that at least takes it a step above uh, uh, being pornography, which is what uh, a lot of people seem to be accusing it of. Uh, but that is, <clears throat> sorry, that's just me speaking for women. <laughs> they need someone to. They won't do it for themselves. They They're have so no mean. voice. So. And they must scream, yeah, through me. Yeah. Uh, Limipri, which is uh, the French name. Oh, I, I haven't mentioned because it's one of the things I like to mention. Oh. This is one of the interesting cases. Uh, you like we films generally settle in the psyche on whether being referred to by uh, uh, their native title or their English title. And this is one where it is almost half and half, whether it is contempt or Limipri. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, Limipri shows a, re- a relationship disintegrate while a Greek tragedy is filmed in the background. Neither of the two themes managed to spark my interest. The romance never seems authentic as neither the husband nor the producer have any chemistry with Bridget Bardot, whose only purpose is to lie about naked. Uh, no, right? Like... Uh, 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 part of what makes that the middle 40 minutes of this work is that they have chemistry, right? (laughs) The other half of this film is about the making of a film loaded with heavy quotes and without an objective. Uh, Okay, this negative review is making me like the film more out of spite. Jean-Luc Godard is hailed as one of the masters of cinema and having seen two of his more popular works, I fail to find any particular style what are you talking about? <laughs> are you? Yeah, like, <laughs> there, there, there are so many things you can criticize yeah. Godard for. Yeah. But a lack of style is not one of them. Oh, no, I've just seen here the next sentence is I have memento syndrome. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, 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 and, and I don't recognize, I failed to find any particular style because I only know that I've seen another Godard film because it's in the list of directors I've seen one film of that is tattooed on my shin. <clears throat> there might be some notable colors and an abrupt ending, but nothing that would suggest greatness. That's just word salad. Um, I read that he broke the habits of classic Hollywood and did not conf- and did not work in conformity with the establishment. And while that is remarkable, I did not see it in Lamapri. There is neither style nor substance. Yeah. Okay. Like I just it does. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Fart. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. No. <laughs> uh, uh, see me. Um. Uh, After class. Uh, 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 I'm doing a sentence diagram of that whole paragraph, <laughs> and it's just in the shape of a question mark, and then uh, me flipping you off. Um. In terms of classic French directors, I will stick to Renoir, Melville, Chabrol, and Truffaut. And stay clear of Goddard, who I obviously do not get. Huh, That's right? just a review of the person writing the review. It is just, like, I just don't see, it feels like we didn't watch the same film. Uh, ab- ab- no. Absolutely, yeah. Because. Well, no, she watched Les Messines. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is, so we should have watched it without subtitles, is, uh, is, is what you're saying. Or does it? Do they say the title at the beginning as well? Oh, the opening credits are all spoken. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's um, right, yeah. Why? I wonder why. Anyway, uh, this person... Uh, Probably reference to Orson Welles narrating the closing credits in Magnificent Ambersons. But was that in the version of Magnificent Ambersons that was available oh, at the time? I do not know. Yeah. 
But you know everything about Orson Welles. Oh, I wish I did. Uh, that explains why you did so poorly on our game show, Wells or Sun. And it's uh, a reference to something we did like 60 episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I called him Jan, but this man, uh, uh, I believe his name is Jan because he's from. Oh, I thought it was Jan. Did yeah. you say Jan? Yeah, I said Jan, but I now have seen that they are from Germany. Uh, and so it's Jan. probably Jan. Uh, Jan, uh, top four. You uh, like uh, Harry here, two films starring one actor uh, mm. uh, who they started out as, as a comedian and now they are uh, professionally glum. Uh, Roberto Benini. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Go unpack that for me. <laughs> What, what has he been glum in? That weird Pinocchio film that no one has yeah. seen? And anything, has he ever, like, he just... Uh, I don't know, he, he's probably gone serious once or twice. And is, like, he's just back in Italy, right? It's not yeah. like he just evaporated. No, yeah. Okay. Isn't he in the, like, Asterix and Obelisk movies that they make occasionally? Uh, they, well, they stopped making them because yeah. Gerard Depardieu fled to Russia, right? And he was Obelix. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. This actor is very much a father figure, and in one of these films, is is kind of the the real dawn of him as as daddy issues. Uh, Tom Hanks. No, comedian. Uh, yeah, started oh, as a right, comedian. Right, comedian. Uh, Ray Romano. N- name two films Ray Romano has starred in. Uh, the Big oh, Sick and, and Paddleton. And, and, and Ice Age and Ice Age 2 yeah. and Ice Age Collusion. <laughs> no, I, 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 n- none of these are animated. Um, <clears throat> okay. Oh, I just, yeah. All right, so we can we can do these uh, one by one. I thought we could knock them out together. Yeah. but uh, Quick fire like round, surely. The Fast and the Wet Furious. Cool Runnings. N- no. Uh, Miami Vice. No. But is, there is, is a manhunter on the list. Okay, but is, is the comedian who is now professionally glum no. Jamie Foxx? No, no, no. We okay. oh, Sorry, we, we, we are now outside of those. Okay. Uh, but there is a Michael Hunter, Michael Hunter manhunter on the list. Uh, Don't uh, need to overthink this. It's hate. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, no, the other one? Yeah, no. It's Fast and the Furious, but wet. What's a movie with boats in it? They're not boats. Oh, not boats. There's skydiving in it as well. Oh, right. Yes, it is Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. They go surfing. Yeah. There's a big wave at the end. Yeah. Gary Busey's in it. That's right. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Petty is for love interest. Yeah. Uh, they rob banks uh, yeah. wearing masks of presidents. Yeah. There's a bit where Keanu Reeves uh, fires his gun at the end and goes, ah! Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's this fucking movie called? Uh, point Break. <laughs> point Break, yeah. Uh, 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 okay. I thought you were building up no. saying it's Point Break no, at I, the end. I could just remember everything about Point Break other than the name. <laughs> okay. Uh, this next one is a very repetitive film groundhog day yep uh, 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 uh oh, okay and uh, the other one is uh, lost in translation yep yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> there you go so i knew it was either lost in translation or a very murray christmas <laughs> uh, i i just misheard you were saying uh boston translation which no, that's that's the departed <laughs> or, or it is you just take the whole of lost in translation and remove the faintly racist uh engagement with the japanese people and replace mm. it with people being like oh anyway park the car, <laughs> park the car. <laughs> more intensity anyway <laughs> Uh, uh, hot lava. Okay. <laughs> no, I can't do that one. I just, so, just 
Orson Welles. Yes. Ever heard of him? No. Uh, Who's that? Okay. So, uh, well, he, he's a, he's a sprightly young man oh. who, who made his name uh, on Broadway, putting on, uh, uh, you know, Othello, uh, plays by, uh, William Shakespeare, moved to radio, uh, and then RKO, uh, were like, hey, do you want to make a film? And he was like, nah. And they were like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And he was like, okay, I'll make arguably the best film ever. And I'm only like 20 fucking three or whatever. Yeah. And he fucking makes Citizen fucking Kane. <laughs> and then he does a bunch of other shit. And then luckily he dies. Well, um, yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then we feel like next year he did the Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah. Which and, then, is- and then that was uh, taken away from him in the edit. It took three years for him to make another film. I mean, uh, that one did okay, but that was like work for hire thing he didn't, that he didn't care about. Called The yep. Stranger. It's excellent. Wow. Something he didn't even care about is excellent. That he, must be a heartbreak for you. Here's, here's the secret to I, Orson I, Welles. He's I'm, uh, good at filmmaking. I'm, so you seem to know more about Orson Welles than I do, Finn. Possibly. Okay. So I'll, I'll just introduce it. So uh, over the last few years of his life, he was uh, working on a uh, kind of slant remake of Blazing Saddles called The Other Side of uh, the Wind. <laughs> and and, and he, he went through some real struggles, shot it over like five, six years. Yep. Uh, and, and then he, you know, did the ultimate disappearing act, which is to say died. And, and he he was a magician. He would have liked that. He was a magician. Yeah, I mean a cinema magician, which is to say that sometimes his tricks failed embarrassingly. And oh god, <laughs> the fury building in Finn's eyes. Uh, uh, but uh, luckily, a young upstart named Peter Bogdanovich was there, and uh, ever since he humbly kept to himself his association with Orson <laughs> Welles. Before yeah, fa- fa- famously never mentioned it <laughs> uh, uh, before oh, on on uh, 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 Peter Bogdanovich on his deathbed earlier this year, <laughs> yeah. uh, holding a snow globe, <laughs> mum- mum- mumbled the word "Orson" as, as as he died. Finally, there were some legal issues, some uh, legal issues involving uh, the Iranian Revolution, <laughs> and, and Netflix were like, "We are the saviors of cinema. Uh, let us uh, revive and reconstruct." this film and so i have one final question for finn it's all yours so this film starts with i think one of the best things we agree here harry that the best way to start a film is with an in-depth card explaining the restoration and origin of the film it's a bold creative choice i uh, yeah nothing you know it's good yeah if they've had to like dig it up and polish it yeah if they've if, 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 if had to like go if they've had to like go 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 to a film archive in like argentina to 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 to, to, to find the one remaining print uh, uh the, the the episodes uh me and brian are currently watching on, on this on the slow path i do a doctor who podcast uh, uh well i bet you couldn't tell <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're uh, uh, missing, and that's because they were blown up in the Cypriot Civil War. Wow. That's the only place they existed, Cyprus. Um, uh, uh, but does it count? Because this film has never not had that at the beginning. Do we need... I just want to set the groundwork. Does it, does it need to be added later, or can it be there from its uh, inception? 
I mean, if if the film was uh, if the film was uh, lost and uncompleted like this one was, I think it's I think it's fair to have that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, it's fair. If you went to see like Spider Man No Way Home in the theater and it started with a card about how they restored it, you'd be like, "What do you What are you on about?" I mean, they did do all those changes, right? Over the anyway, they did they did like they like cats it. There were like three or four massive. The first version that went out had a lot of really incomplete special effects in it. And Tobey mm. Maguire, which is a real who. Thank God he's not there anymore. And Yeah, I mean, they saw yeah. Molly's game and were like, that character is based on who? Oh, no, we've got to replace him with uh, who's another Spider-Man. Dane DeHaan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's where D- Dane DeHaan is like, I'm back, baby. It's Dane. They um, just face swap the, the rest of the original Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, they do. Oh. Yeah. yeah. If uh, 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 if uh, Noah Home was ex- if Noah Home was exactly the same, but uh, there was animated Miles Morales instead of uh, instead of Tobey Maguire. Uh, I mean, uh, they, that's literally exactly what they actually should have done. Well, well, yes, but that movie already exists and it's called Into the Spider Verse. Well, and, and, and it's and it's good. And well, no, because he is in his universe, yeah. so seeing Miles in another universe. But that idea is so good that it's what the sequel. Uh, uh, which is in two parts. Yep. Like if, oh God. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Spider-Man. Venom. <laughs> Let there be carnage. <laughs> so here's the thing. I was talking to a guy last night. Yeah. And he was like, oh, so he, and he, he like, I was like, hey, who are you? Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm Venom. I was like, oh, that's pretty scary. But then he gave a, he gave a bit of a chuckle. And I was like, oh, no, nah, just kidding. Talk to Michael Morbius at your service. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> it is... <laughs> Fucking hell. It seems obscene. And, that- it might be the least effective trailer I've ever seen. <laughs> well, like, j- just like like that moment specifically. I was like, I'm, like I already wasn't going to watch this movie. <laughs> but, but, but Jared Leto trying to do like fun casual jokes is the, the, the least enticing thing. I, it is. It seems obscene that they are giving it such a massive marketing blitz mm. when it is like they were delaying it before COVID. Yeah. Like, oh, anyway. The other side of the wind. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a movie that Orson Welles had been kind of tinkering with for a very long time. This idea of an aging filmmaker and a younger filmmaker yeah. and their friendship and eventual betrayal. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a thing that had been in his head for years. And yeah. he, and as, as the opening, uh, uh, as the opening text uh, tells us, uh, uh, Orson had been in Europe for about 20 years at this point. Yeah. He uh, came back to America briefly to do touch of evil. And then that was taken away from him, butchered by the studio, uh, released in a form, which was bad. And everyone mm-hmm. hated it, and he uh, retreated back to Europe. I mean, we do have to state that the worst decision in that film, which is browning mm. up Charlton Heston, yeah. or what is still in it, you know? Yeah, they sure. weren't. They didn't go in and they didn't airbrush every frame. No, if they didn't go back and put Christopher Plummer in. Uh, they should. Fa- famous Mexican actor Christopher Plummer. Is Christopher Plummer... He's dead, eh? He did recently die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, first off, rip. Mm. Um, uh, but, like, how good would it be if they... Oh, like, just put Michael Pena in it. Do you go... Hey, I'm starting a Kickstarter <laughs> for, like, 30 million US dollars. Does anyone have Michael Pena's phone number? I, I do not, sorry. I know he's somewhere in the quantum verse, quantum mania. 
the next Ant-Man all, film. All, all I know is uh, uh, he's got a magical cape that uh, protects him from bullets. Does he? Like in the movie Crash. Oh, God, that's right. I just delete that film from my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, uh, so Orson decided, hey, I'm in my 50s now. Uh, it's time for me to make my comeback in America. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been I've been doing I've been doing shit in Europe like the trial and the chimes at midnight mm-hmm. and like all that stuff's great but uh, yeah. not but like not his a lot, second and third best films even but like not a lot of people see them and mm. you know he, he he has to like make them over years always like scrounging for funding mm. he moves back to Los Angeles and uh, he starts living in the Beverly Hills Hotel. And uh, one day, a, a young cinematographer called Gary Graver, who was like a guy who, to like make ends meet, uh, was was doing like star tours. He finds out that Orson Welles is staying at this hotel, and uh, so he calls up a hotel and asks to speak to Orson Welles. And Orson Welles picks up the phone, and he says, "Hi, I'm Gary. I'm a cinematographer." And Orson says, "Come to my hotel and meet me right away." <laughs> That, yeah, the call yeah, I've been waiting on all yeah, these yeah. years. That that day, Gary goes to the hotel with uh, uh, w- uh, w- with a camera and some film, and Orson's like, "Great, we're going to do some tests to see if you're any good or not." <laughs> and they film some stuff, which is just like Orson walking around his hotel room and smoking a cigar. Yeah, and Orson decides, "Yeah, this kid's pretty good." <laughs> Then uh, for the next 15 years, they work together essentially every day. Gary Graver shoots everything that Orson does until he dies. He shoots The Other Side of the Wind. He shoots F the Fake. Oh, fuck, no, that, that's his second best film. Then Trial, then Trimes of Midnight. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. He shoots uh, The Orson Welles Show, which is their pilot that they did, uh, which is on YouTube. It is really interesting. What? It is Orson Welles hosting a chat show, but it is directed in the style of F for Fake. And it is Orson Welles really kind of like digging into the artificiality of talk shows. And <laughs> and so the first segment of the first episode of the Orson Welles show is an interview with Burt Reynolds. Uh, it's like an audience Q&A, except everyone who, are, who asks a question is a plant. And like, they're like not quiet about it. It, it is like, it, it, it is Orson being like, like, I'm going to make this so fucking fake. The second segment is Orson does an interview with Fozzie and Kermit. It's him talking to the puppets, yeah. but then sometimes they'll cut to a wide. You can see Jim Henson and Frank Oz there, and there are like spotlights that are just on Fozzie and Kermit, but you can see you can see them in silhouette. How, did he? Uh, did like, they let that happen, yeah. or did he do it to them? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Like they oh. they, they agreed to do this. Oh wow! And, and, and I so, mean, that, well, and, and yeah, so, Orson Welles yeah, asks, and, and and so the interview ends with a spotlight shifting from Fozzie and Kermit to Jim Henson and Frank Oz, and then he interviews them. And, oh right, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, oh no, it's just because for so, yeah, yeah. For so much of Muppet work is about keeping, uh, keeping it sacred, and so much puppet work is about, yeah, let the puppet. And, and, and then the final segment is uh, he does a bunch of magic tricks, but it is all, uh, uh, it is all like pre-taped stuff, and he's and he's using like editing to to like to fuck around. It's great, oh, yeah, like Chris Angel. Yeah, it is a really good and interesting and weird pilot, mm. and like yeah, it's available on YouTube. And if it had gone, if any network <laughs> no. executive had been had been fucking stupid enough to be like, yes, let's commission this and put this on TV, it would have been one of the most interesting things anyone's ever done on TV. But, um, uh, you can't say that. Well, no, because I hate TV as a medium. Sure, but yeah. and you haven't seen Mr. Robot, one of the most interesting <laughs> things anyone's ever done on TV. 
that is how the, the relationship between Orson and Gary begins. Yeah. And when Orson died in 1985, there was a big tribute held to him, and Gary's one of the guys who gets up to talk. Yeah. And, and like, one of the things he says is, like, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I've spent the last 15 years, every day I would wake up and I would call Orson Welles and he would tell me what I was going to do that day. Now that, now that he's gone, I still want to, like, I, I can't call him up. I, do, I, don't, I don't know how to live my life. And like Gary spends the last like couple decades of his life trying to finish this film, but like he is not an editor and he doesn't have this film in his brain like Orson did. Well, and, and the way like, this film for good and ill is chaotic and intricate yes uh it is the kind of thing that has to be held in one mind rather than can be communicated on like what would a script for this film look like uh, what ab- would absolutely yeah. yeah what the other side of the wind is three films in one we're going to inception we're going to go down to the deepest level and that is a film called the other side of the wind mm-hmm. it's directed by a director called jake hannaford it is an art film that is sort of playing on the films of Bergman and Antonioni and Godard. But like late, like more like Pierre Lefou, uh, uh like 70s, yes. 80s Godard when it was just bright naked people running around. Yeah, and more like Zabriskie Point, Red Desert era Antonioni than like La Ventura. But you can see the Eccles in it at least. Yeah, that is a a wordless, plotless film about a Native American woman uh, walking around, uh, maybe she has a bomb, and a guy on a motorbike following her, and they have sex, and uh, then there's some rain, and then they run around a bunch. Uh, Who can really tell? Yeah, and then you go the level outside of that. Find out that JJ Hannaford is played by John Huston. Yeah, he's a big time director who. Well, he he's a guy who used to be a big time director. Yeah, he 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 was big in the forties and the fifties, but has hasn't really had a hit in a while. People don't know who he is anymore. Yeah, he did, he he uh, does not have the same clout that he used to, and so he he is making this film as a sort of last ditch attempt to to like regain his relevance. And uh, uh, and so he he, he has uh, he has no ma- like it, yes. it's desperate times he has no money yeah uh, so he is also no you're about to do this as the third level sorry yeah. I'm yeah I won't step on well yeah so it it it, it is it is his birthday uh, he is turning seventy years old and a friend of his who is hosting his birthday party has invited uh, filmmakers critics uh, journalists from all around the world to come and film him for a day. And so all of these sequences are shot from dozens of different angles, different film stocks, switching rapidly between like black and white and color, yeah. because uh, what this film is, is a found footage film, essentially. It starts with a newspaper photo of the main character's crashed car and voiceover saying, this guy died on this date. Here is the footage we have of his last day on Earth. I- and so everything that we are seeing has like in the world of the film been collated from all of these filmmakers and critics and hangers-on who have come to watch him on on the last day of his life. Absolutely, like it pitches itself in a way as as a found footage film, mm. um, uh, like no, like really explicitly. Yeah, but it is also much more like uh, uh, von Trier's thing. Ugh, uh, didn't fuck. Ugh. Uh, um, uh, the way he shot Dancer in the Dark, which is that he bought like a hundred digital handy cams. And right. so they shot everything from like 50 to a hundred angles at once. And he called it like the approach of a hundred eyes because, because there are many, 
or, or a thousand eyes or something like that. And it, like of his two experiments with camera stuff, it is my least favorite. The the boss of it all, where the camera w- was set on like a computerized rig where it would right, be pointed yeah, yeah. randomly, uh, is actually a lot better. Check it out. It's his best comedy, at least best intentional comedy. His best unintentional comedy is uh, Nymphomaniac Part Two. Oh, what uh, a laugh riot! Oh no, as yeah, no, uh, uh, it. it what is what is you know Charlotte Gainsborough, Willem Willem Dafreen, Antichrist? Yeah, anti. Uh, that's the joke I was gonna, I was gonna make. Uh, A lot of genital violence in that movie, but like it is interesting because there are many points where clearly, like, we are being shown in a found footage style uh, uh, things that would and like the conceit is always going like no we want to film everything yeah but then there are like there are bits where it's like there wouldn't be a camera oh, no, yeah. yeah absolutely it it, it like it uh, definitely breaks the conceit of uh, uh of 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 like strict found footage yeah. and to be clear that's just an observation yeah, not yeah. like a gotcha yeah and so um gotcha awesome <laughs> uh, and punches out of the grave curse yeah no well, he's cancelled now yeah, yeah. So uh, the uh, the 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 film takes place over over the day, beginning with the last uh, uh, beginning with the last scene that uh, uh, beginning with the last scene that Hannaford shoots, yeah. and then uh, following him and everyone else to the party, and then following the party as it devolves into a drunkenness and violence, and then ending at a drive-in movie theater where they attempt to show the parts of the film that they've actually completed. It starts with trying to show them at the party, then the power goes yeah. out, and so they they go to the yeah, yeah. As you said earlier, this is a film that Orson Welles spent about six years filming. So uh, uh, he started filming in 1971, and, and also like, uh, how old was he when he died? Uh, oh, he would have been in his like mid 70s when he yeah. died, and like yeah, six years filming and about 70 years living, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so he uh, uh, he starts shooting this in 1971, and what one of the- and is this the third level that you're talking about? Because you said there are f- there there were three levels, and we've had two. We the- had three. The side the- of the wind, as in the film. Yeah, yeah. The film. The Story event, Jack, which is the found footage, and then like the, the, the like actual the film itself. Oh, okay. The, yeah, which like frames the found footage. Oh, then I propose a fourth level, yeah. uh, which is uh, the one where Killian Murphy makes peace with Pete Pothelswaite, like the Alpine sniper yeah. bit, <laughs> which is uh, how clearly this maps. This is uh, a, an autobiographical film about how this. Kind of I mean, yes, like I will get into yeah, how yeah, yeah. biographical this is. Oh, no, I, and this is not me saying like things like this actually happened, but like it, it is. It's him making a film in a way about himself. Yeah, like this is his poison pen letter to Hollywood. Mm. This is this is him being like, I have devoted my life to this art form, and everyone has betrayed me, and I have nothing to show for it. Yeah, and uh, uh, I've wasted my life. Yes. Okay. So he starts filming in 1971. One of the first scenes he films, right at the beginning, where people are like driving their cars and like being interviewed in the car on their way to the party. One of the characters in that sequence is a character called uh, uh, is, a, is a character called Marvin Pister, uh, who who is, is a kind of feckless nerd that everyone hates yeah. and asks uh, pretentious questions about films like uh, is the camera merely a phallus? Yeah, and is played by Benny Safdie. Okay, so so that character was originally played 
by Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. When they started filming in 1971, <laughs> Peter Bogdanovich had made one film, which is Targets, which is excellent. And uh, they started filming on the day that he was going to fly down to Texas to begin filming The Last Picture Show. Yeah. So the like, first few takes of a scene were shot outside of the airport uh, because like, that's where Peter had to be that day. And so that, of course, uh, reflects where Peter Bogdanovich was in his career at that point. He, mm. was, he was an irritating critic and hanger-on who also was, had a sort of strange affection for. And then uh, when we get to the party, there's a bunch of scenes with like different filmmakers talking. Mm. There's a bit where Dennis Hopper is, uh, is saying shit to the camera like, you know, I just want, uh, I just want fans of John Wayne movies to come see my movie and, and, realize, and realize what they're complicit in. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 you know, there's a bit with Paul Mazursky and Henry Jaglum talking about whether or not something is Jewish logic. Uh, yeah. and, so, and so all that sort of stuff is, is shot in 1971. At that point, uh, they did not have uh, any of the main characters cast. Mm. Uh, so uh, John Huston, uh, who was the lead of the film, does not get cast until 1974. So, uh, so until then, they, they are filming all of the stuff uh, with just like not filming uh, the main character. I presume filming the other side of the wind stuff. Or uh, just, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so like in the early part of this movie, the first three years of a production, uh, uh, in, in most scenes, Orson Welles is kind of being the stand-in off-screen for this character who is not based on Orson Welles. Well, and basically, on, yeah, 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 no, yeah. sorry, you just made that joke better. Yeah, you know. The second lead of the film is the character Brooks Otterlake, who is a young up, upstart director who is an acolyte of Hannaford's, but is now more commercially and critically successful than he's ever been. And that character was originally played by the impressionist Rich Little. Uh, I mean, the the man of a thousand voices. uh, uh, Who Orson Welles met on uh, the set of a show he was hosting for money uh, called Copycats. Yeah, it was like a show where comedy impressionists would come on and do their best stuff. And Orson Welles was hosting this. And uh, he saw Rich Little on this and he was very impressed. Uh, Rich Little did an impression of uh, uh, one of the things that Rich Little did uh, apparently, uh, when Orson, uh, uh, w- w- uh, when he didn't know that Orson was there, was an impression of Orson Welles sneezing, which was something like, uh, uh, achoo. <laughs> and then uh, he does that and then, uh, then feels a hand on his shoulder and he turns around and it's Orson Welles saying, I never sneeze. <laughs> and, 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 Whoa. Yeah. And, and, and so Orson... Uh, like, let's be clear, in that situation, my heart would stop. Oh, like, absolutely. I would, I, I would fall apart like someone you, has broken yeah. a toy, my arms... Dis- yes. dis- uh, you turn around and see a man in a cape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he hires Rich Little to be Brooks Otterlake. Uh, so Rich Little can only film for three weeks because he, uh, uh, he, he has like uh, pre-booked other engagements around the country that he yeah. has to get to. And, and so Orson's like, yeah, sure, we can have your part shot in one week. Uh, so they go out to the house in the desert, which is the house uh, next door to the house that Antonioni blew up for Zabriskie Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the literal next door neighbor of that house, because this is a film about uh, how Antonioni sucks, basically. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so they, they go up there. Uh, after three weeks, they have not finished uh, filming his scenes. And Rich Little just leaves one night. Uh, he uh, does not tell anyone he's leaving. Uh and he uh, just sort of never comes back. And uh, is at, there any of him left in the film? At uh, all? So he he is in the background of some of the parts. Oh uh, yeah, and he, he he is credited in the credits. And 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 like he, he oh yeah he party goer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and, and so like he he said like years later 
Like I, I, I would have come back. I, I just had, a, I had a few gigs to do. Orson, <laughs> yeah. Orson got mad at me. Be like day after Rich Little splits, and Orson Welles is mad. He calls up Bogdanovich and says, "Got a real problem with the movie." And Bogdanovich says, "What's that?" And he says, ah, "This Rich Little guy can't act." Yeah. <laughs> and then Bogdanovich, this is what he says. Uh, uh, said, "Why don't you let me play the part?" Oh. Okay. Yeah. So he vo- he vo- okay. Yeah. So but, I so, just so, I yeah. hate that every assumption I have about Peter Bogdanovich, a very talented filmmaker, <laughs> also being a petulant hanger on to Orson Welles, seems to actually be true. Yeah. Yeah. So so he he's like, if you don't want Rich Little, let me play the part. Yeah. As a lot of people point out, Bogdanovich is now playing the character that is uh, where he is in his career now. So he started off playing the irritating critic who keeps prodding the genius with questions. Yeah. And now he is the, now he is the young upstart who has already surpassed his mentor. Yeah. That's around the time that Houston is finally cast, yeah. uh, which Wells credits as uh, the single most magnanimous thing he's ever done in his life. He, he says, if I get to heaven, I, I will, I will know it is because I let John Houston play that part and didn't do it myself. <laughs> you know, he he, he, he uh, okay. said like, this is the part. And if Houston doesn't want it, I will. I will do it. But but like Houston's the best. I'm the second best. I was so sure you were going to say it was magnanimous for Houston, right? Oh, no. uh, okay. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, and yeah. So in in 1974, that's when Houston's finally brought on board, and they can start filming. Then they run out of money. <laughs> so, yeah, they find money from a Spanish guy and they find funding from a French woman who is very close to the Shah of Iran's brother. Uh, so that's where most of their funding comes from. They, they sort of film on and off for a couple of years. People will occasionally leave to go and make other movies to get more money to make this movie. Mm. Uh, 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 throughout a lot of this time, uh, Gary Graver is, uh, 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 is directing porn. Because that is a thing he can like do fast and cheap, and uh, he doesn't have to have his name on it. Mm. And uh, and uh, and apparently around this time, Orson Welles like implemented a rule saying, uh, "Gary, if you get an offer to to like uh, to shoot or direct something, you have to run it by me first, and I will tell you if I need you those days. And if I don't, you can do it." Gary, I think, like really loved Orson, and Orson, I think, definitely had a fondness for Gary, but like, it, it is not an equal relationship. And uh, Stockholm syndrome, sure. Gary Graver is, I think, a very good cinematographer. He will even say Did, uh, he shot all of the other side of the wind. I, I believe so. Yes, it's a great looking film. Uh, yeah. uh, it is. Yes, he sees himself like for like a lot of the shots. Orson would look through the viewfinder and say, "Gary, this is the shot you need to get." I mean, like, make sure Gary got it exactly as he wanted it. A lot of how good this film looks is, like, Orson Welles having a natural eye for film, but, like, also Gary Graver has a natural eye for film. They, yeah. they, they, they work well together. Yeah. I rewatched this film in preparation a few days ago yeah. just to make sure I had, like, something... I had, like, stuff to say about it because yeah. there's so much going on, but it's hard to know, like, what to talk about. What? And, like, after I rewatched it, I spent a few days, like, trying to write a review of it, and I just couldn't i can't i can't like get it down because there is something about this film that, that sort of becomes like indistinct when you try and talk about it it is so built up of like moments and conversations that, that like circle back on each other that like to pick out any moment it feels like Orson wells would laugh at you for thinking that moment was more important than any other uh there is also the fact that like describing the experience of watching it is very difficult yes because uh, for for a film shot in the 70s and then cut in the 70s uh, largely right mm, yeah it, it has the pace 
of a mo- like the shot length on this film will be under a second yeah no it, it is edited like a michael bay movie it is so frenetic and the way it cuts between 16 millimeter 35 millimeter black and white color just completely contradictory angles it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll do all it'll do all of those things yeah. uh within about four or five seconds yeah it, it, it is often quite hard to to track like did you like how was it watching it for you harry um it was i thought it was very modern yeah like yeah. especially i i don't know if it was just a thing that netflix put it out but the depth of color and oh, yeah, the colors are beautiful yeah there was one point that like really stuck out to me this time uh there was a character called the baron uh, who's like an old german guy he's the, like screenwriter for all of hennefitt's films there was one bit kind of late in the movie where he's standing outside and his face is kind of half in shadow uh he's got a red pocket square and and the, like cuffs of his jacket are green mm. and the, the like red and the green were popping so much mm. in a shot that was otherwise like 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 fairly muted i was like oh man it's it's who, who, whoever did the great on this shot did a <laughs> fucking real good job. But it, but yeah, it is also yeah. It does, like part of it is you know Netflix uh, doing their mastering stuff on it, but also like you you know this this was not recorded to a raw cinema DNG file. This is this is like you can only color time essentially what is there, mm. uh, and, and so I don't. Yeah, but it does feel like the pace of it and the assumed meta-ness of it, like the convention of being both inside and outside of the film, which is only signposted by uh, being in quote-unquote the real world at the party is an academy ratio, and when you're in the other side of the wind, it is full screen, it's widescreen. But even if for fake, which Wells made before this and has similar levels uh, of reach uh, during. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, even if fake, which he made during this, signposts its levels of reality mm. a lot, a lot more uh, in a way that is both thrilling and also ha- has dated mm. in a way. Yeah, this... Yeah, just yeah, and, uh, yeah, every part of it feels modern. Yes. One of the like important things about this movie for Orson Welles was was the fact that like the 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 movie within a movie is not a movie that he would make. It is his impression of J.J. Hannaford doing an impression of European art cinema, and then the like film that the filmmakers are making about J.J. Hannaford is not how he would shoot that sort of a film. Yeah. In the documentary about the making of this film, which is called "They'll Love Me When I'm Dead," there is a clip from an interview uh, where Orson Welles says, "I had the freedom, the joy, to make a film that is not a film by Orson Welles." It's a film made with a mask. So he is just like relishing being able to do whatever he wants without the expectations that come with being the Citizen Kane guy. But also he's wearing a mask and it immediately, like the mask is style because this feels like his, to me, it's his most personal oh, film. Like, yeah, like this film is obsessed with all of the stuff he has always been obsessed with. Mainly it, himself. Well, <laughs> himself, but but also like the like idea of great men, the idea like of himself, the idea of like friends betraying each other, like he was betrayed by his friends. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> this is like very similar to Citizen Kane, but it starts with the like death of a great man. Mm. I mean, like news reports mm. about what that man meant. Mm-hmm. And then like going deeper into his life and exposing all his flaws and just like stripping him bare and saying like this is the sort of man we are told to admire that we are told to like emulate but like he's fucked 
Yeah. Can you be great without destroying every single like good thing in your life? Well, and, and the Kaneism of it go, goes further than that because uh, a lot of the action at the party is people reminiscing mm. about about prior events or just yes. chatting uh, in in a very similar way. Like you get a pretty clear overview of this guy's life yeah. uh, uh, from how they talk, and the only difference is that we don't see flashbacks, and that's because. The, he's wearing a mask yeah. as he makes this. Uh, when Orson was making this, he was asked by someone like what it was about. Yeah. And his reply was, this is a film about the concept of the He-Man. It is a film against the He-Man. It is a deconstruction of like macho identity. Mm. That is part of the thing with like having it being set on the day of, of Ernest Hemingway's suicide and having the character of J.J. Hannaford like kind of map so closely onto Ernest Hemingway the sort of like mm. this sort of like uh, love of drink and violence and bullfighting, uh, the distinct possibility of repressed homosexuality and how that expresses as a form of toxic masculinity. Well, and the obsession with almost like warrior ideal of honor and yes. justice, like so much of his angst comes from feeling like he did not get a fair fair deal. Yeah, you know, and like it seems like he kind of did. Wells doesn't like this guy. No. Yeah. But that's because Wells uh, doesn't like himself. But did he know? Like, the, like this is my question. Mm. Did Orson Welles know even a little that he was making a film about how much he loves his girlfriend, especially when she's in brown face as a Native American? <laughs> uh, Oofa Whoa. Uh, it's not how you pronounce the name. It's Oyakoda. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, um... <laughs> Oya Coneheads with the, every <laughs> film she appears in. I don't know the answer, but like, yeah, he's he's making a film about how much he hates himself. Yeah, and like this film is very specifically about like his relationship with Bogdanovich yeah. and how that relationship breaks down, which it did over the course of filming it. This film is a sort of like self fulfilling prophecy. One of the like supporting characters in the film is a like a nineteen year old blonde girl called Mavis Henshaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot remember the name of the actress, but like she, she yeah. was uh, like some girl they found who worked as a waitress at a local diner, and they like got her to come be in the movie. And her her like role is she is uh, a uh, she is a, a, a she is a, a, a dumb useless teenage girl who uh, uh, who was sort of hanging around at this party and is just like made to bring the adult strengths. And uh, uh, and throughout a lot of making this movie. Uh, Bogdanovich was like, this is supposed to be simple shit. Orson has cast this, like, girl who sucks as an actress to be a stand-in for my wife. <laughs> like, yeah. But he didn't He didn't say that. He said, my wife. Yeah, he, he did. He Even did then, that. Bogdanovich, real futurist. <laughs> the cat's meow and the cat's meow is the cat meowing, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yep. that's, all, that's all I got. You can, you can keep going. You see the fucking shit I have to pull off? <laughs> I know. Every, really... every, every fucking week I do this. This is ruining your flow, man. Yeah. You're really getting into the rhythm there. And, very, very nice. And like, <laughs> and like for some reason I keep coming back. Like I, I'm as much to blame as he is. <laughs> yeah. Stockholm Syndrome, we've already yeah. talked about it. You can only take work on days. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that is, sorry, that has just been sitting oh, in yeah. my brain. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, sorry. Bogdanovich Shepard. After this is done filming, there is the like real breakdown of their relationship, uh, which is uh, Orson goes on 
uh, an episode of, I think it was The Tonight Show, which uh, Burt Reynolds was guest hosting. And we feel like a week before, uh, Bogdanovich had been on, and uh, one of the jokes that Burt Reynolds did was like, uh, let, uh, was like letting Bogdanovich host, and, and Bogdanovich interviewed him. Then so on this episode of Burt Reynolds host of The Tonight Show, Orson Welles and Burt Reynolds say some mean things about Bogdanovich. Like, like things that can be taken as like kind of like 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 kind of like light ribbing, you know. Like Bert Reynolds says, last week I had Peter Bogdanovich and I let him host the show, and also I was like, I'm amazed he managed to get him off, and you know stuff like that. Like, oh, you know, he's a he's a fame whore, he just wants attention, what well, all that sort of stuff. And they like make fun of his last movie not doing very well, and, and, and then be like, next day, uh, Peter Bogdanovich calls up Orson Welles yeah. and says, uh, hey, I was watching uh, I was watching the TV last night. Uh, uh, I guess I know what you really think of me now. And then a few days later, he gets an envelope from Orson Welles, yeah. which contains two letters. <laughs> One letter says, I'm sorry. Yeah. That was that was unforgivable. I, I cannot believe I hurt you in that way. I'm so sorry. And then the other one says, you fucking deserve it. Uh, he was like deep in alcoholism oh, at this point, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and so they do not talk essentially for seven or eight years. Yeah. And then, uh, they, and then uh, they start uh, like uh, talking on the phone again in 1985. And then a few weeks later, Orson Welles dies. Uh, and, 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 then, and then Bogdanovich spends, you know, the, the, the like, rest of his life as the sort of keeper of Orson Welles' legacy and, and, you know, spends like 40 years trying to get this movie uh, finished and released. Well, what was, uh, like, like, no, I, like I know, mm. but tell us, what was stopping it? Like, what was that? Is that is it interesting? It is weird. Like, it's the same thing. It's yeah, interesting. So the like main thing that prevented this film from being released, apart from the fact that uh, it wasn't finished, uh, what, 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 what what is not what wasn't finished? I mean, it seems like, finished. It, it, I mean, it, it was just like such a like monumental like like task of editing. Oh right, right, right. I thought like when I hear that, I was like, there was stuff yet to be. Oh, like, shot. I'm sure there was still more stuff that Orson would have wanted to film if he had the money. Yeah, but, but there's but, nothing. I think there's no point in the film where you're like, I mean, there are deliberate bits within the other side of the wind where it's like shot where they've shot yeah. missing plaques, but that's not. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yes. It, it was just so, it was such a it was such a task to edit it, yeah. and yeah, and 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 Orson, hundreds of hours of footage, yes. yeah, and, and and Orson was like deep in depression, and like people enjoyed it for fake, but it wasn't like a huge hit or anything. Yeah, but, that's a, that's a long tail film, right? Yeah, yeah. He was just feeling increasingly despondent. Like in 1971, he was like, "In a few weeks, I'll knock this out. This will be the film that brings me back." And then by by like nineteen eighty, he's getting honored by the by the American Film Institute. He's being given a like a lifetime achievement award, and he he goes there and he shows a clip from the other side of the wind and basically begs for money, and he doesn't get any, and and people like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Peter Bogdanovich, people who you know made massive amounts of money making films that were kind of inspired by him. And, and, or, and, or at least after him. Yes, yeah. yeah. People who like publicly talked about like enjoying his work and who like owed a debt to him as he saw it did nothing for him when he needed it most. And uh, so when, uh, when so, he wanted it most. Mm, sure. <laughs> uh, and so in uh, 1979, when the Iranian Revolution happens, uh, uh, all of the film is basically locked in a vault uh, because the Shah of Iran's brother-in-law was one of the lead producers and uh, now basically all of his property has been liquidated. And uh, 
Yeah, and and the new the new people in Iran, you know, the Ayatollah, I, I don't think uh, will, would it best be indifferent to owning uh, a lot of uh, f- footage of Orson of an Orson Welles film, yes. right? Uh, uh, yeah, and so um, uh, like, and and so Orson spends the next like, spends the last six years of his life desperately trying to 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 like get the film released. And uh, uh, at one point, uh, him and Henry Jaglum uh, set up a uh, fake production company called Welljag, and they pretend they have millions of do- uh, millions of dollars, uh, which they uh, uh, which they like uh, tell their writing and uh, we'll we'll buy it off you. We have all of this money, and uh, that that doesn't work out. They go to court in France to try and get the film released, but but like gets the case gets overturned by the French court, mm. and yeah, and and so and so Orson dies in 1985 uh, with with this film unfinished. And it's very sad. Yeah, so the other day when I was trying to write a review of this film, uh, I got about like 13,000 words into, into the review, and I was like, oh, I've only talked about the opening narration. Like, it, it like, I... I 13,000? Uh, 1,300, sorry. Okay, no, but, I like, no, I, I buy... Uh, no. To be clear, I buy either length. If I, if I could write 13,000 words on anything, I would... Uh, I'd be in a much better place emotionally. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you absolutely can. No, you thought I don't believe in myself. <laughs> I know you don't. Uh, that's why <laughs> well, you. That's why you relate so much to this film. Yeah. Uh, um, that opening narration is from Peter Bogdanovich. Yes. Uh, in, in character and is like that's from that's new. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. the new element because it, it sounds like old Peter Bogdanovich yeah, it, being it, like it, this it, is it, my dead friend. Yeah, like that, 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 that's that's one of the things I like kind of talked about a lot in in, in the review I try to write. It's like his his his, his voice is like palpably old. Yeah. It, it, like he 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 feels like frail and and like that is very much him and like in in that narration he is like he's playing Brooks Otterlake in name, but like he, he is he is so clearly like playing the like line that separates him from Otterlake. Yeah. And like their relationships with their respective mentors are so similar and so like equally fraught. Yeah. Bogdanovich brings like so much emotion to to just that opening narration. Yeah, and it kind of that is the thing that makes me go like the fourth level is Wells himself. Yes. And like that is like that is the way to engage with it really what's your relationship with wills like harry uh kane yeah uh just and, straight kane and and like you're pro kane pro kane yeah, yeah. i would vote for him <laughs> uh, <laughs> no no no, no, <laughs> no that, that's, not, that's not what movies about <laughs> also that, that, that like kind of happened in 2016 you know like yeah remember and i'll do it again <laughs> Remember when Trump said Citizen Kane yes, wa- was, was his favorite film? I, and uh, I've uh, never forgotten that. <laughs> and his one bit of advice for Kane would be like marry hotter women yeah. or something. Uh, it, but like, <laughs> a, as as a person in in the world, what what do you see? Because like Orson Welles is outside of being Kane, and Orson Welles is like he's like a. He's like a mythological figure. Like yeah. he exists in dream space. And so like what, and it, I, I feel like so many people have different perspectives on it. And I'm just wondering, you're like, who does he seem to be to you? And like, how was that? How did that interact with other side of the wind? He was, so he's totally for me like that, uh, you know, the legacy act. I don't know. He's the yeah. classic of Wells. I think that made this film so, fantastic because i couldn't just wrap my head around how modern it felt at yep. every point and 
it's I, like, yeah, it's like, oh, this dude reinvented himself like right at the end yeah. and it didn't even come out. Yeah. One of the like lines that a lot of critics of this film have taken uh, is like, you know, oh, you know, so, so some people say, oh, you know, this is like Orson Welles' final statement. But when you watch it, it kind of doesn't feel all that much like a final statement. It, f- it feels like him continuing to evolve but and, that, and like doing. Yeah. yeah, if he had kept living, he wouldn't have just like rested on this. This is a step in a career, and he would have kept on. He would have kept on going and changing. Well, that, and that is people mistaking the idea of Orson Welles for the reality, which is that Orson Welles is not like a man who made classic films. Yes, yeah, it is that he was. Uh, he started as an enfant terrible and then ended as like a, uh, il derle terrible. Like he, he was always, each of his films is a pointed response to his previous film, uh, um, and going in an absolutely different direction that is like, of course, that this has to be his last film. Because it's absolutely different, and it points the way forward, right? Yeah. Like, like, ha, ha, like so many of his early films are, 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 are strange to watch because so many of their conventions are the conventions of film. Yeah. Now, uh, and like he was not someone who invented a lot of things, but he was incredibly good at consolidating things. Uh, his work was synthesis rather than invention, you know? Yeah. Which like goes back to his, to, 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 to his time at like high school yeah. where, where, where he essentially like, uh, where he essentially, uh, took over the entire, uh, theater department at his school, uh, from, 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 from the age of like 12, he, he 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 just got to do whatever he wanted at the theater department, and he was putting on like incredibly avant-garde productions of Shakespeare and stuff, yeah. which he knew how to do because he like had a rich family and like traveled extensively and saw lots of avant and saw like avant-garde theater in like Europe and stuff, yeah. and he was able to bring it back to his high school. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, his his formative work being adaptations is very important yeah like like all the way to like his, to like to like doing doing like war of the worlds yeah yeah um and, and then he he kind of starts adapting uh conventions well like citizen kane uh isn't it is an adaptation of a person yeah um mank um mank did you see mank harry i have, have you, have you had your mank crank yanked <laughs> I, I started it when I was, I think, sick with COVID, and then I thought, mm, this, now's not the time. Yeah, uh, you don't, <laughs> like, like... It's fine. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's on, on my list of Amanda Seyfried films, it's beneath <laughs> both, Mia too. Yeah. both Mamma Mia's, <laughs> but it's above that, the one that's called, like, Anon. You know yeah. the the, the, uh, with, the with Clive Owen. Yeah, I, that's why I watched it because mm. I'll watch anything with Clive in it because yeah. I have a deep emotional attachment to to Children of Men. Mm. Like me and Inside Man, the first movie I watched this year. That's a good choice. Yeah, well, on January first, I was like, "What should it be? How, how am I starting the year off?" Osmosis Jones, <laughs> yeah. or to use its original <laughs> title, Inside Man. Or to use. Meet Dave, starring Eddie Murphy, or to use its original title, Inside Man. <laughs> uh, or uh, the opening scene of Irreversible, uh, 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 or as it's called, Man's Insides. <laughs> oh, yeah, no.
What is your relationship to Orson Welles, Finn? I mean, I love him a lot. Why? Because uh, 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 he is... Uh, uh, I mean, okay, so here, here, here's the thing. In, uh, uh, in uh, punk rock... Yeah. Right, uh, <laughs> the he, most Orson Welles well, music uh, genre. Absolutely. A genre he, uh, I assume, hated. Uh, one of the like, uh, core tenets of punk rock is... <laughs> You for just did a tenet hand thing. Yeah. Uh, but, um, there was a big thing about, about like not having idols, about like not having masters. Yeah. You know, like people are equal. As soon as you like put someone on a pedestal, you have sort of like debased yourself and you have made them into something they can never fully be. Mm. And there was a really good interview with Steve Albini and Ian Mackay, two of my favorite uh, punk rock guys. Uh, how do you feel about Steve Albini's offer to Dolly Parton to help her yeah, record I think a that's rock very and funny. Rock? Yeah, no, but also like it would be good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, there was a really good interview with those two guys where they're talking about their perspective on being like figureheads or like four leaders of punk rock. Yeah, and both of them like. No, I'm not a fucking figurehead. I'm a guy who makes music. I don't have followers. Like, that's I mean, not something I want. And then every time I say it, I'm like, yeah, great. I, yeah, I want to follow that guy who doesn't want followers. Yeah, and like, and so every time Orson Welles mercilessly tears down the great man view of history, I'm like, oh, what a dude. Other side of the wind is the first time he doesn't mark himself as an exception to that as well. Yeah. Like, like. A lot of his other work is kind of about like, oh god, like no gods, no masters, but I'm pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like uh, 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 chimes at midnight. I'd say is another exception. Uh, yeah, yes, I can see. I that. mean, like he, 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 like he really identifies with full stuff in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like my 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 question. Chimes at midnight is in the top two hundred and fifty, just not the top hundred, right? Uh, probably, yeah. I just well we'll save it for when we inevitably yeah, yeah. go back because I yeah I have a question about uh, how much that film is on full stuff's side yeah anyway um, my like main thing with Orson Welles is I think he is probably the single greatest screen presence of all time like it, it's like it's like him and like Isabella Gianni I like I like I like the two people where like when a camera is on them you cannot do anything except look at them. And I love the, the like entire myth around Orson Welles. This like great genius who was rejected by the industry that he was so influential in, yeah. and, and and then had to spend the last fifty years of his life trying to figure out a way to like to like make something of himself while everything was stacked against him. And in that, producing some of the like most important works in the medium that I love so much. Um, and, and demanding kind of what he felt he was owed. Yeah. Right. Uh. And so, like, from pretty soon after I started getting into film, I, I like, really latched onto Orson. Yeah. And I was like, this is kind of my guy. This is a guy who, like, represents an ideal that, like, he never fully lived up to. But, and I will never be able to live up to. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> no, like, because no one could. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah, he, he, he is... Like yeah, the, the, he he is like so perfect yet so flawed, yeah. and his life is like built of like such highs and such lows. Yeah. and he is my guy, and I love him. Awesome if you're listening. Yeah. Awesome if you're listening. Uh, I'd in, be very happy because it would mean you're not dead in hell, <laughs> <laughs> like purgatory, right? <laughs> like he wouldn't want to be in eat like he would hate heaven. Oh, absolutely. Okay. The other side of the wind is a tricky thing. Yes. For me, because it is a mess. Absolutely. It is, it is a, deliberately. It a is mess. borderline incoherent. 
at certain I, points. I don't. Yeah, the word I disagree with there borderline. is borderline. Yeah, or line, I guess. But if we're like, to sure, like it, 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 like it, it is, it is a bunch of people having ha- having like very circular conversations yeah. over and over again, while a film that doesn't make sense plays in the background. Yeah, and every conversation is is cut to shit and is shot from fifty different angles. Yeah, and like. Almost everything you just said about Orson Welles, who is uh, a man whose art I uh, love. Yeah. And I think the guy himself is like cool and amusing, but I like, and this is, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Which is like, I do, like, I do care, but I don't like. I don't care. You know what I'm saying, sure, yeah, right? I'm yeah, not, yeah. and 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 that's not to say that other people are wrong. But like, everything you just said about him uh, applies for me for David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, um. And, and uh, David Lynch is better because he made Mulholland Drive. Fuck you. No. Um. And, and no. And what this is is it's Inland Empire, which uh, uh, Inland Empire, which is David Lynch's last film yeah. to to be in cinemas, possibly his last feature film ever, yeah. unless you are a writer for. Kah- to cinema and you count uh, Twin Peaks for a turn as a film. Or uh, you uh, do what I'm doing working as a theory and like considering uh, his entire body of work one work. One TV show, yeah. No, 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 like one, like one, like one complete artistic gist. But anyway, uh, uh, and, and like the thing about Inland Empire is that it's a fa- Have you seen Inland Empire, Harry? No, I have not seen Inland it. Empire. It is uh, three hours of uh, uh, Laura Dern screaming and very uh, noisy handycam footage. Like, no, but basically, yes, yeah. as well. And, and like, that film is good if you care about David Lynch. Sure, yeah. Uh, which is my way of getting to, like, I don't care that much about Orson Welles, and I already know a big blustery guy whose best years are behind him and who hates himself and he lives with me in my head so like i didn't get like because i don't really care to me the other side of the wind is a curio do you know what i mean like it's it's a dvd special feature um which is not to say it's bad but is to say that i consider it shite out of the two options just to really come for you, and part it uh, it being a film about filmmaking is less of a factor because it's so clearly about the people, hmm. and it and it's a nested narrative thing. Uh, where where do you sit between those two extremes, Finn? I mean, it is sound as hell for me. This is like my second or third favorite Orson Welles movie. I really love this, and it is. What, what would potentially? It, what would the top two be? I mean, it's like the top two are like Kane and If a Fake. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh no, like his trial is real good. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Like my, my my top five would be Citizen Kane, If a Fake, this, the trial, and then like kind of anything else. You yeah, know? Like, uh, yeah. Like he, he he is someone who I think I've not finished all those movies, but like from what I've seen, I, I I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. Yeah, even his cash grab stuff like The Stranger, I really really love. But yeah, like I, I yeah, I, I I really love this film. Like from the like first moment of like Peter Bogdanovich talking, and you're like, 
okay, I get, I, yeah, I get, I get the two levels this is working on. And then as, as soon as Houston and his Hannaford calls cut, suddenly it's being filmed by all the different documentarians and you're just getting the most of like frenetic editing you've ever seen in your life. But still everything is beautiful. I, I love all of that stuff. John Houston's performance to me just like kind of knocks me down every time. Like he, he is like such this like strange imposing man with his yeah. giant face made of like craggy stone. Yeah. But like, but like, but like sometimes he'll, 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 he'll just do this like giant shit eating grin but it's like also the saddest thing you've ever seen it's like yeah it is i think that peter bogdanovich is like kind of really good in in at least parts of this film yeah yeah my spicy take is that like i think i rate him more as a a actor as a director but i've only seen like two of his and and like there's a bunch of footage in villa often when i'm dead of rich little doing the brooks otter lake part yeah and it's like terrible uh there's a bit uh, right near the end of the movie where peter bogdanovich is like leaning through a car window looking at hannaford and he says he is a rough magician isn't he and like and it's, like, it's, it's a it's a very silly line but he fucking sells it yeah i mean you like for like whatever rich little does is a, he's a rough magician isn't he yeah <laughs> just like just, he puts nothing on it because uh, yeah. like most impressionists he has no personality of his own you said you were gonna tell us to shock us how long it took to film the party scene john houston yeah. was hired for 10 days and then ended up filming off and on for about two and a half years. He would go away and film other movies. While making this, he like uh, went off uh, for a while and made uh, The Man Who Would Be King with uh, Sean Connery yeah. and Michael Caine. Yeah. I think like maybe won an Oscar for that. Yeah, no, certainly his his most praised film, I guess. Yeah. yeah. On, on Houston's first day, when, when he gets off a plane in Arizona and there's like one of the other cast members there to pick him up, he like, gets talking to this guy and, and this person mentions that like he'd already been working on the movie for like three years at that point. Uh, and, and Houston's like, you've been filming this movie for three years. And he's like, yes. And, and now we finally have our lead. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, uh, ha- Harry Thompson Cook. Phone Aries. <laughs> Phone Aries. Phone Air. That just sounds like I'm misremembering iPhones. Anyway. How did you feel about this, your second Orson Welles film? Sound as hell. Yeah, man. I really enjoyed it. The energy of it, like, when a film is so rough like that, but mm. so obviously, like, trying to really get something out of there, yeah. a fucking piece of cake for me. Uh, uh, do you currently own a thing that can play Blu-rays? No. Okay, if you did, I would lend you a copy of If for Fake, which is a documentary about forgery that he made while he was making this, which is like a very similar style. Yeah, you should watch If for Fake. Any more information about it yeah. is is a blind to vanish you. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, uh, and also, um, uh, 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 his film The Stranger is like usually on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, that, like that, that one is really good. And he plays... Uh, uh, he uh, plays the hand, right? Because uh, it's about sitting on your hand, so it goes. No, uh, he uh, uh, he plays an escape. <laughs> he plays the hand. He plays an escape <laughs> Nazi war criminal. Awesome, just like <laughs> off camera, <laughs> just put in his hand. Uh, this is a film he made in 1946, and he plays an escaped Nazi war criminal living and hiding in Connecticut. Beautiful. And uh, Edward G. Robinson as a Nazi hunter who's looking for him. It's real good. Yeah, I think I would definitely. I'm going to watch more Kane the next couple of weeks because of what we watched well, today. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a uh, he's like just like one of, one of the most I think like fascinating filmographies and one of the like craziest lives of like any major filmmaker. Yeah, he uh, like it's fucked up that he was such a wonderkind and by all accounts justifiably so. Yeah, like like 
all like all the myths they deliberately built around its broadcaster side like that that war of the world's broadcast is fucking great even if it didn't actually cause riots yeah. you know i will get into this a lot on the citizen kane episode yeah but like that whole myth of him as his like otherworldly genius was like built like by his mother like right from his birth yeah his like first experiences in life were like everyone around him saying you are going to be a genius you are going to change the world if you don't we will be very mad at you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and like that's 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 how you build someone like this. Okay, we are we're going to spend so much time unpacking that. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, just pick pick a film, maybe except Magnificent Ambersons, uh, which at best is a process of like decoding the film he would have sure, made. Yeah. Um, uh, here's the thing: like we all yeah, even did, did, uh, next you should do a Touch of Evil or The Stranger. You've not seen The Touch of Evil. No, uh, I'll, that, see, I'll see all. Of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's like Touch of Evil is fucking tight. Like, it, 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 like it's 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 fucking it honks. Um, uh, it, like I'm so glad for you two that you find it sound and like I I I think it's good. At you know, I'm yeah, just yeah. being a contrarian to raise Finn's blood pressure, yes. and so we can well, and so we have somewhere to go from when we get to Kane, uh, and I can find a reason to not like Citizen Kane. Well, that's going to be our duet, right? Because then after that is Vertigo, which you don't really like, but you are the you guys are the only two people out there, as far as I can tell. Who, who like this it kind of sank like a stone and like i think if you could find a positive review of it i would cut off both my arms myself the second arm i'd put a butcher knife in my foot and i would each give you an arm to do whatever you want with you could you could stranger yourself you could uh, uh, except it would be i mean i'm i'm not a strange i hope you don't consider me a stranger but like uh, uh you could uh you know cook it you could use it to wave it people graft it on. Maybe it'll work as kind of like a, a third arm. Like it looks Harris looks like Harrison Ford has at the end of Six Days, Seven Nights. Um did that episode come out before or after this? Anyway, uh, uh, I just don't I just yeah. don't think you'll find it. I'm s so, I am prepared to lose my arms. Okay. Uh this is a five star review what of the, the other fuck? side of the wind. But I have I have so much typing I need to <laughs> every time since i got a pencil organizer uh, which includes a box cutter to sharpen my pencils because i hate myself finn has played with the box cutter <laughs> i'm glad he hasn't noticed the one that's also behind him this is a fast review by letterbox user cc burton uh, this review opens with a quote what happens here i'm not really sure max it's from the scene where uh where the uh oh like there's so much stuff I didn't even like get around to. It's like, oh god, all, 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 all of this fucking like lackeys and hangers on are all. Oh god, there's so much good La- stuff. Uh, um, uh, if if you are listening to this, if you are faintly interested in film at all, yeah, this is a worthy watch and is and and there is like a ton of like really interesting like film history you can dive into through like who Wells cast in different yeah. roles. But it also like it just it moves quick. Yeah. It, it's it moves like, so quick. It, it is. Yeah, what, no. what you have subtitles on. Yeah. Uh, there is a hell of a lot going on here. At once a scathing satirical critique of the film industry and a strange love letter to it. 
Orson Welles juggles themes related to aging, broken friendships, insecurity, and toxic masculinity in this mockumentary-esque story about the making of a fictional movie. It's also the director's quasi-autobiographical fever dream and was released 40 years after it was filmed and 35 years after the director himself died. Unusual, hilarious, relatable, and pretty horny. A real picture. Uh, I agree with Frenet all of that. It is yeah. very horny. Yeah, there, there, we haven't really talked about just how, like, there's more nudity in this than in Contempt, and Contempt is almost wall-to-wall Bridget but do, you know? Uh, that's <laughs> not funny enough. I apologize. I work I appreciated it. it. Thank you. Bridget but do, that is... Yes. Uh, uh, would uh, would you guys like to uh, try and guess C.C. Burton's top four films? Okay. Is one of them the other side of the wind? Uh, you're right, it is. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. Uh, I um, mean, top four ever. Okay, okay. Like, different people to, to turn the world. Uh, one of them is uh, a film uh, that is an adaptation of a thing that Orson Welles also famously adapted. Othello. No, but... Right, uh, but you have a correct original author. Uh, is it Henry V? Is no. It Hamlet? No. Lear? No. Uh, oh, man. Macbeth? Yes. Oh, right, yes, of course. Is it Polanski's? Uh, no, it is uh, Justin Kurzel's. Oh, with uh, Fassbender? Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, next we have one uh, with a guy who, in this movie, he's toning it down a bit. In this movie, he only has one personality, but it's angry. Uh, okay, so Drive Angry, starring James McAvoy? No, but you got the right yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm just, oh, like, when is McAvoy angry? Okay. Oh, Fractured? Uh, uh, is that what that's called? Uh, the Danny Boyle movie he did. Trance? Tra- trance? Is, it, is that? It is. I th- it might be Trance. No, it's it's an adaptation, uh, Filth is what you're thinking of, the adaptation of the other Irvine, where he's the corrupt cop with the tape No, I was thinking of Trance. Oh, okay. So so, so so here's the thing. Uh, Filth uh, wasn't directed by Danny Boyle, but this is Filth. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, You didn't let me get to uh, my next clue, which is going to be third build is Hatsune Miku. I just want to flag out there that that Filth is maybe Irvine Welsh's weakest novel. Uh, That film is not good. The play adaptation... It's directed by the guy who directed Stan and Ollie. Okay, yeah, that good on him. Yep. Continuing to really strike two pointers, uh, uh, um, but the pl- it, 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 the play of filth is is a good read. Check it out. And uh, the fourth film, it's gross. Uh, okay, uh, saw. No, saw two. No, is it saw three? No, saw four. No, saw five. Uh, you got a guess? Book of saw. No. Saw 6. No. Saw 3D. No. Jigsaw. No. Jigsaw 3D. No. Okay, so we're out of saws. Hostel. Uh, no. Uh, okay, how gross? Yeah, like, what, what uh, kind of gross? Pretty gross. Like, there's uh, tentacles. Okay. There's uh, guts. Sometimes the guts turn into tentacles. Is it possession? No. Oh. Third build is a guy who uh, was like 50 but looks like 70. Dickhead. Uh, but what if I was to tell you that this not-so-old person who looked very old was associated with the word diabetes? Or as he pronounced it, diabetes. <laughs> Di- <laughs> Slither? No. No. Oh, Di- uh, diabetes. Cocoon? Uh, right guy? Wrong movie? What's, uh, the, what's the gross one he's in? Tentacles. Spin, like, things going... <laughs> 
<laughs> Tremors? No. Uh, uh, Attack of the Squid? Chud? Uh, uh, no. Uh, there was a scene in this movie that was uh, just fully ripped off uh, for it, Chapter 2, but made uh, worse. Because they used a CGI to make it look like a head had spider legs coming out of it. Ah, oh, the thing? Yeah. Uh, okay. The, the 2011 one, nope. though, right? No, the... 1982. By Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, by, 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 by Jesus the Carpenter. Harry. Kyoto. Where can people find you online? What plugs have you got? If people were like, this guy, I love his phones. I love his contributions to this podcast. <laughs> Both of which are, are, are great. Have been great because the phones no longer exist and the podcast is ending. <laughs> uh, 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 where, yeah, where where should they seek you out? Like specifically, uh, what's your physical address? That is um, none of your business. Is what mm. I'm going to say to that. But okay. my digital address, uh, if they want, they can just follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Homeboy has a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah no we yeah cool how old were you how old this is like last year <laughs> <laughs> all right okay okay we can't we don't have time we're no. past three hours of recording anyway um yeah just yeah just follow me on there uh, uh, you're posting some cool pictures on there yeah post some cool pictures probably what? hear some music hey finn yes where can people find you online uh who gives a shit uh, you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why not check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. Uh, if you like what I do, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Lives. Put bit.ly before that and you'll sign up for my newsletter, which I keep saying I will relaunch, but I will. Mm. It is it's, it is uh, coming. Our theme song is The Nux by Kazam Blam. You can check him out on Bandcamp. Boo. 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 Uh, Bandcamp, uh, uh, bad business decision uh, being uh, being acquired by Epic Games. Yeah. It sucks. It makes me feel bad. Yeah. To be clear, yay, Kazam Blam. Boo, Bandcamp. Um, if you like the show, why not tell your friends? Come on, do it. We're an acquired taste, and it would be great if more people could acquire it. Finn, what are we watching next week? Well, we're going straight from a movie about how Antonioni sucks to an Antonioni movie. Yeah. That's right. Uh, next week we are doing La Aventura, and with that we are doing the Harrison Ford, and Hash, David Schwimmer classic action-adventure romance comedy Six Days, Seven Nights. And, and due to uh, reasons too boring to go into, we have already recorded that, so you think the, like, the level of continuity where we could be talking about this, uh, uh, r- reflecting from this episode into that one, we have not done. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go watch them. Uh, no, but you have to see uh, uh, the first two Mabuza films, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. so you can skip yeah. two through 999. You can skip three through.
No, I think it's like the Ring series in that it starts. No, fuck. It's Ring 3 that's Ring 0. This fucking guy. Well, it's like Ring 4, actually. Said he doesn't know shit about (laughs) (laughs) J-horror. Okay. uh, 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 I I mean, I can't even... He's going to say something that I'd tell two sisters, but that's that's Korean. (laughs) 